is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus. Packed show coming up today. And I got to tell you, um, you know how much fun we have doing the show every day. But today feels a little special coming off what was an incredible sports night that certainly if you're a Winnipeg and Canada fan lived up to the billing Jets big win over the Edmonton Oilers last night at Canada Life Center and if you're able at the game we're able to skirt out to one of the local watering holes you got the last 15 minutes and uh, some heart-stopping moments late in the game as Canada beat Mexico to get to the top of the table in World Cup qualifying it was uh, it was a special night. This is going to be a hell of a lot of fun today to talk about it all with Remus and our guest coming up. Darren Bombing is going to join us. We'll have the latest on the Bombers. DB was, of course, covering the game last night for NHL.com, so we'll get to all of that coming up in a few minutes. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with our weekly check-in with Murat, talking all things Jets as they uh, finish up this homestand 5-1-1. and and my guy, Lieutenant Eric, out in Edmonton, who uh, we'll see what his voice is like today after spending last night in the cold at Stadio Teca for that game. We'll talk a little bit more. It's quite clear that everyone's fired up, both about the Winnipeg Jets and Canada's win last night. Welcome to everybody in the chat. I actually have an important message about tomorrow's show, um, but first off, do you want to thank all of our sponsors that make this show happen every day, including Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Uh, welcome to everybody that's with us live on YouTube. Let's get Michael Remus in here. And um, Remo, I want to get this out, especially to all the people that are with us daily on YouTube. Um, due, to, uh, due to something that we've got to do tomorrow afternoon, the show is going to be earlier. Normally, we're live at one. If you're listening on the podcast, nothing's going to change. When you normally get the podcast, it'll be in your feed and uh, we'll have all the great content that we hopefully normally provide for you. But if you are a YouTube watcher and you're part of the crew that likes to join us live every day, we're moving the show up two hours tomorrow. So we are doing it at 11 a.m. And I think what the best thing to do is right now, if you haven't already, just turn your notifications on. Uh, on your phone or whatever your device is, you'll get a note. Hey, the guys are live. We're planning on doing it. The regular time show, instead of around 1 to 3, tomorrow we're doing it at 11 until 1, and then firing up the podcast afterwards. Of course, we'll be getting ready for the rematch between the Jets and Oilers. More on the Bombers as they get ready for the upcoming weekend and the final finale of the regular season. Maybe some NFL as well. But 11 a.m. tomorrow for the folks that watch live that's when we're doing it. And um, Remo, it'll be business as usual, essentially, just due to a, a couple things um, that we've got to do. Um, we're going to start it at 11 a.m. tomorrow as opposed to 1. So consider yourselves informed, put on the notifications, and uh, hopefully we'll see you all here a little earlier than normal on tomorrow's show. Yes, uh, thanks for pointing that out. And yeah, making that accommodation. Um, yeah, we'll be, just be on a bit earlier. We'll be following Jets practice. Uh, they'll be in Edmonton uh, for the rematch of last night's game, Hus, which... Um, maybe I think the most intense game of the year, most anticipated since the game in Minnesota. Um, you know, you had that Canadian division feeling that we had last year. You know, people were fired up about the uh, commemorative uh, mini broom giveaway that took place. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of feelings of that playoff series were brought back, and I think you saw that that emotion. And it was a very tight, tight game. 
But I think, you know, the difference, you know, Edmonton has McDavid and Dreisaitl, two great players, but I think Connor Hellebuck, and we saw this last year in the playoffs, he is what those guys are. He is to goaltending what those guys are to forwards. Maybe not as good, like he's not the best goalie of all time, but he can steal you a game just like those guys have. And he was absolutely incredible, robbing Dreisaitl over and over again. It took the two power plays at the end. I mean, Pugliarvi had rebound chances, chances in front. Um, I think Hellbuck uh, was amazing, but um, I, the Jets forwards uh, up up to the task and able to uh, shut down McDavid at least at, at five on five. Yeah, I mean at five on five, um, you know the Jets were, uh, you know, and I know that some of the score effects came in. They were putting a lot of pucks on that, especially in the third period, trailing four nothing going in. But as you mentioned, things did get pretty tense. I mean, I think a lot of us were hoping that you know maybe the third period could be a little bit of a victory lap. Might be a great time to do the wave. Uh, that didn't happen as the uh, <laughs> couple early penalties uh, with a five-on-three quickie and then another power play goal afterwards just in the first three and a half minutes of the third period, uh, I think made a few... Well, certainly in the crowd made the callers tighter and you could feel the tension in the building. But what was so impressive, Remus, is that I, I didn't sense that at all from the Winnipeg Jets. And, I mean, they didn't sit back in a shell... They ended up, you know, getting their fair chances as well. Of course, you know, ending up uh, icing it with the empty netter. But I think one of the things that Paul Maurice talked about after the game was, um, you know, it was in some ways a real test. I mean, his team was tested early in the third period when they gave up those goals. And we won't talk about whether Dreisaitl sold the uh, the boarding call on uh, Logan Stanley, although I did enjoy Mike McIntyre asking everybody about it after the game. No one really seemed to want to bite on it. Um, but man, when you're going up against arguably the two best players in the National Hockey League, as far as skaters go, um, you know that they can flip that game at any point. And it sort of did happen. It felt like it was happening early on. And it was only a couple of weeks ago that the Oilers came back from, what was it, 4-1 down and ended up beating the Rangers 6-5. And Dreisaitl skated by the Rangers bench and said, it's coming. And it came. Well, the Winnipeg Jets, and you mentioned it, led by Connor Hellebuck last night. Uh, rose to the occasion. And, um, you know, there's been some real solid games. I still think about the St. Louis game. The team played so well for certainly the majority of the club, uh, majority of the game. But when you think about the way the game started, first period, Adam Lowry's goal, I mean, by any measure, was a brutal goal for Miko Koskin to let in. But if you look at that period, a one nothing at the end. I mean, the Jets had some incredible chances early on um, that didn't go in. They continued to push it. Got a power play goal later on. Nikolai Ehlers with that rocket. Um, and they were pretty comfortable going in. But I thought they really showed a lot of composure once those two power play goals went in. And that's a really good sign because, as we all know, I mean, this wasn't just an average hockey team with average players. This was arguably the most dangerous offensive team in hockey. Uh, and they had 16 and a half minutes with just a two-goal lead. And the Winnipeg Jets rose to the occasion, led by their goaltender, who, as you mentioned, uh, was uh, was phenomenal last night, and he you really got the feeling that Hellebuck is back to um, uh, the Vesna level of play that he had a couple of years ago. That was so important with the Winnipeg Jets achieving what they were able to do. Yeah, and that was a really uh, really big game. And Hellebuck, you know, he's shown that he can show up. Uh, one thing stood out to me, you know, the Jets scored five goals, including that empty netter at the end, and the only player with two points um, was Josh Morrissey which, uh, I mean, he's one goal away from his total of last season. We know he had a down year, but he's really brought it this year. He's even developed, um, you know, a big one-timer 
that has I thought you know given uh, maybe and, and a new some nickname pause. because of it. Yeah, well, and you saw on, on one of those uh, one of the assists. I mean, he fakes the shot and finds a guy in front. Um, so I you know the Jets you know have had this balanced scoring and I, I'm pretty impressive. I think you know Kyle Connor you know team leading goal and Pierre Luc Dubois. We can talk about him after, but he equaled his goal total from last season. So anyone who thought you know that he was a bust or is a bad trade. I mean, I think this guy's the number one center right now on this team. And, you know, we talked about so many years, oh, how he played against uh, Matthews in that playoff series. Well, I think this is what you're going to be seeing, you know, him against Oilers. I mean, he's a big guy. He battles in front. He goes in the corners. He can skate. A uh, really strong player. But, yeah, Josh Morrissey. And Dubois was saying Morrissey had a new nickname, Huss, after the game. What was that, the name? <laughs> Uh, he's been working on the one-timer, and now they call him Movechkin, <laughs> which is, I laughed so hard when I heard that. And by the way, I mean, I know his last name's Morrissey, but it is Movember. And I was, every time Morrissey goes up on the screen at the arena, I'm absolutely infatuated by his mustache. I mean, he's got such a baby face, you would maybe wouldn't think that he'd be able to grow that sort of a duster, but he is right up there in the uh, in the mustache power pole rankings for Movember, certainly amongst the Winnipeg Jets right now. But um, yeah, Dubois was mentioning they've been so impressed with the one-timer that he'd been working on. And we've talked about it before on this program that the guys had taken to call him not just J-Mo, J-Mo Vechkin, uh, which I think everyone got a good uh, good kick out of last night. Um, you know, it was interesting. There was a lot of talk about the way the lines were looking going into last night. Um, I mean, man, you know, the amount of chances that that line did have, and not just the line, but Morrissey as well. Blake Wheeler, I mean, sooner or later, uh, they're going to capitalize on a few more of them, probably four or five um, dishes for maybe grade A scoring chances. That was, And the funny thing is, we're talking about these saves that Koskinen made. I mean, he made some of the toughest saves on the, you know, the most difficult situations but again, and I know Northside's in the uh, in the chat, and you know he will agree. Um, you know, a goal like that, you know, given up in the first period is uh, it, it can really be deflating. And the Oilers, you know, for their part, I think they've given up the first goal in their last six or seven games. Uh, it wasn't a great start. The Jets were clearly the better team in the first period, and they built off that into the second to build up that lead. And you know, if the penalties don't happen and the Jets don't give up a couple quick ones, maybe we're having a different conversation about the third period. Uh, but again, this was a really, really good test for the Winnipeg Jets. And Remo, I mean, I said this, I don't know if I had said this at the start of the show, but, um, you know, it was pretty amazing for a Winnipeg sports fan to wake up this morning and uh, go online or open up the paper and see the Winnipeg Jets in first place in the Central Division. The Bombers, the class of the CFL, waiting to host the Western Final on the 5th of December. The Ice, the number one team in the Canadian Hockey League. And of course, Canada beating Mexico at the Azteca Stadium, one of the great hashtags I think I've ever heard in Canadian sport. Um, and you know what? The funny thing is goaltending was a big part of both of them. Connor Hellebuck for the Winnipeg Jets and uh, the man in sweats in the Canadian net, Borjan, with a couple big, big saves at the end. I mean, uh, overall, I, I, I mean, like many people after the game last night, um, you know, really, really fired up for Canada. And then you're figuring out, I mean, you're going to look at Kenny and Rennie. Are you going to watch post-game show of, uh, of Canada? Tried to get it all in. Um, but just taking it back to the Winnipeg Jets for a minute, this was a performance that um, I think many people hoped we would see. And, uh, man, what a way to finish off a homestand. 5-1-1. One, one. Connor Hellebuck says, 
He wants to win every single game. Probably not realistic, but to come out of the longest homestand of the year in first place at 5-1-1, one, one, pretty lofty spot for the Winnipeg Jets after the way they started the season with those two regulation losses on the road. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. It wasn't me who had the panic button up here after two games. That was that was someone else. That was that was someone. Well, it was there. You just didn't press it, right? <laughs> we kind of joked. I mean, we did it for the jokes, but I I think there was some some concern and you know, right now you look at the team, um yes, you said in first place. Uh, it's incredible and I think you've played a couple of complete games last night was a, a great game for them. You know, we had, and you talk about goaltending. I enjoyed Dusty's tweet. He says from yesterday, he says, I don't care if Koskinen made a few good saves in the first, letting in a non-NHL caliber goal early in a game is unacceptable and, hence too, and happens too often for him regardless of save percentage. So that was the temperature uh, for them in Edmonton. And it was, you know, goaltending, maybe the difference in the uh, in the playoff series. And again, Yesterday, but I think the Jets, you know, forward depth showed. And, you know, we talked so much about um, Wheeler being moved with who uh, Svechnikov and Dubois. And no, with you, Connor and Dubois. Sorry, Connor and Wheeler Dubois. swatched with Svechnikov. Sorry, sorry. and then, um, I mean, uh, it seemed like Wheeler has been holding his own uh, this year. And I think the outrage on that um, may be overblown. Would yeah, you agree? <laughs> I think you are. I think you are right. I think you are right. Um, and hey, listen, as I said, you know, maybe things won't look as good next game, but they absolutely did last night. And, um, you know, when the way you saw the Winnipeg Jets play from start to finish of that hockey game without the blender coming out at all, um, I think we'd be foolish not to expect the exact same lineup going out, even with Dave Tippett getting the last change. And what will be fascinating to see tomorrow night in the game, and we'll talk about it with Tommy Gazzola and some of our other guests as we get into, you know, more on tomorrow's game on tomorrow's program. Um, but how Tippett handles the matchups in Edmonton, uh, because Paul Maurice, as you kind of pointed out, Remo, was um, more than happy to throw out Connor Dubois and Wheeler against Connor McDavid pretty much all game at times playing with Leon Dreisaitl at other times split up. And um, as I said, they certainly held their own doing that. And, you know, for all the great offense that Dubois has provided, and you kind of laid it out, he's tied his goal per uh, goal total for last year. And right now projects, he plays all the games to be in excess of 50 goals. Jeez, we can worry about what that contract means a little later down the road. Um, but it was their ability to, you know, play in their own end. And listen, we'll focus in a lot on that line that gets the matchup. But maybe it's time to get the rent-free tweet back up because as much as we had some fun and you post retweeted that earlier this week, uh, might we say that Neil Pionk really is rent-free in Connor McDavid's head? Very uncharacteristic play by the superstar last night. You know, bit of a headshot, you know, kind of followed through with the elbow, got a penalty late in the game, which really sort of took the steam out of Edmonton's comeback, uh, comeback attempt. And uh I don't know. I heard the guys in Edmonton saying yesterday there's no one that gives Connor McDavid more problems than Neil Pionk, and we saw it last night in some uncharacteristic frustration on part of the Oilers' captain. Man, McDavid's uh, face after that <laughs> after that penalty call. Um, I was kind of surprised. Usually he's the one drawing the penalties, but, I mean, it's pretty clear he got McDavid up high. Some people were tweeting at us saying it should have been um, uh, what a player safety issue. If it was a headshot, it looked like he hit him in the chest and then kind of followed through. He definitely followed through with the elbow, which you don't want. You don't want to see. 
Uh, it seemed like Pionk was fine. I don't know if he did do a bit of a sell job there, grabbing his face. The camera angles, I watched the replay this morning. Um, The camera angles they showed on TSN, you couldn't really tell if he hit him. It looked like he hit him in, in the chest first. But the elbow going up, not a bad luck. I mean, he has the guy has a history, Huss. He was suspended last season uh, for an incident. So I, I do think Pionk definitely got under his skin a little. And he saw an opportunity to take a shot at a guy, and he did. And thankfully, Pionk was was okay. So um, I agree, rent, rent free. <laughs> they like, well, Ed, wasn't wasn't a, they didn't make anything up there. Ed was started chat, and Pionk skated back to McDavid and reminded him who his daddy was. LOL. I mean, listen, Connor McDavid is still the daddy of the National Hockey League, but um, but Neil Pionk is proving his effectiveness especially in that matchup in so many ways. Um, you know, again, signed for four years. Uh, exciting times going forward for the Winnipeg Jets after a big, big win last night at Canada Life Centre. Um, haven't forgot about Canada. I know everyone's talking about it in the chat. We will get to that with Eric, uh, El- our pal Lieutenant Eric, who's Dustin Nielsen's partner on the Nielsen Show in Edmonton. Eric was at the game last night. Uh, if you want to, in the meantime, you can check his Twitter for some of the great videos that he had from the event. We will talk to him after we hook up with Murata Tesh with more on the Jets and Oilers and Winnipeg's big win in the homestand, which finished off at 5-1-1. One, and one. We are going to get to Darren Bombing in just a second. I do want to shout out and thank our newest sponsor, the Vita Health Fresh Market. Um, stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural grocery supplements and beauty products, all at great prices with a knowledgeable staff trained on all the products to help you get what is right for you and your family. If you're into organic produce or looking to move into that or find out more about it, they've got the local grass-fed meats and an amazing grab-and-go deli with incredible salads and sandwiches available at all seven Winnipeg locations. Vita Health, great local company, been in business since 1936, 85 years of empowering people to lead healthy lives. Find out more at any of the seven locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, or you can check them out online at myvita.ca. Uh, and while we're talking about getting healthy, um, there's you start with water, and the Culligan folks have been the water experts in Winnipeg, family-owned, hydrating the community for over 65 years. If it has anything to do with water, Culligan has you covered. Uh, water softeners and filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems, as well as bottled water coolers and bottle-free coolers as well. And of course, much like Michael Remus and us, uh, you know, we're getting water delivery services fast and easy, timed out to your door to take care of it all. And if you do have a, a, a business with water needs, commercial and industrial water products and solutions are there for you as well. Um, family owned for 65 years. You can find them online at drinkculligan.com or go and visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or give them a call at 204-694-5180. And, uh, oh, man, I can just imagine what uh, the maestro and the godfather and Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery are talking about today. Uh, big sports nights, huge bomber fans, jet fans, and I know the guys are behind Team Canada. So probably some pretty fun convos at the shop today uh, with customers coming in to get the best price on batteries in the city of Winnipeg. I don't get Costco or any of these big box stores. Save money and shop local at Manitoba Battery at 1026. Logan picked up 
for your automotive battery with core exchange just 8950 uh, and if you want to save yourself the trip delivered within city limits 10950 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned uh, don't wait for you get to minus 35 make sure you're ready for winter with our friends at Manitoba Battery find out more online at manitobabattery.com all right lots to get to with our pal Darren bombing Jets game last night, which, of course, he was covering for NHL.com and uh, lots of intrigue with the Bombers going into this final week. And, of course, the season award winners, too. Let's get it to it with Darren Bombing right now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. DB, what's going on? Great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Good to be back, Huss. I've been watching. Uh, how are things going? Well, I, could they get much better? I mean, you no. know, we're talking to Winnipeg <laughs> sports fans right now. We wake up with the Jets in first place. The Bombers are the best team in the Canadian Football League. The Ice are doing crazy things as the number one team in the Canadian Hockey League. And then on top of it all, I mean, an unprecedented time for soccer fans in this country with Canada beating the Mexicans last night in, uh, frankly, what was more like a Grey Cup-style atmosphere last night in Edmonton. Yeah, it was cool to watch. You know, while I was at um, Canada Life Center uh, covering the Jets game for NHL.com, the game, you know, the soccer game was on and to be able to watch that. Seeing earlier in the day, the Americans tied Jamaica. So to give them another draw and, you know, less points in the standings, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, you a lot of layman's, you know, even myself definitely included, are watching with more curiosity than anything. But to see these frankly, stars on Team Canada outside of Alfonso Davies, maybe the most recognizable name or maybe the only recognizable name on Team Canada, at least right now, before, you know, this hype train, um, you know, reach, reaches its uh, its pinnacle. Um, it's great to see those guys, uh, you know, score goals and, and defend well and, um, you know, make Canada proud. It's great to see nearly 50,000 uh, for both of those games in Edmonton. Well, and the weather yesterday, Edmonton was so nuts, but it also gave us some incredible entertainment to things such yeah. as, I mean, following the Mexican media getting, stepping down in Edmonton. I mean, dude, that, that is some <laughs> of the greatest comedy we've seen in a long time. And finally, for a long time, Canada soccer would play in half empty stadiums with most of the fans cheering for the opposition. And it was frankly embarrassing. Um, but the team at that point was so low that, I mean, they didn't really capture I mean, the hearts of people, that's completely changed right now. Davies is a big part of it, but that entire squad last night stepped up when they needed to, and the city of Edmonton stepping up with those two massive crowds. It really was uh, It really was cool. Before we get to the Bombers, you mentioned you were covering the Jets for NHL.com. A lot of happy Jet fans leaving the building last night. That was one hell of a performance in a game that a lot of people have been waiting for for a while, and uh, man, the Winnipeg Jets passed the test with flying colors. They did, uh, you know, and a little side story. So, you you know, and your viewers know, I, I normally cover the Blue Bombers. That's my niche and, and my main beat. But uh, I'm I'm starting to, you know, join the ranks of, of catching vitriol on Jets Twitter. Yeah. So I, I, I write the story last night and, um, you know, it is what it is. It's for NHL.com. It covers both teams equally. And it, it's a right down the middle story and, and, and sticks to kind of just the facts. Well, the headline read, Jets hang on to beat the Oilers. And, uh, you know, one individual, as it usually <laughs> is, one or two on social media saying, are you, you know, couple, you know, a couple expl expletives and, and you know, uh, calling me this and that. It's like, look, I don't write the headlines. You know, uh, I'm not going to, you know, call people out publicly for it. But 
Um, you know, from an outsider's perspective, and, and you know, for those on the East Coast, those in the United States, um, the Jets aren't the headline. Leon Dreisaitl and his amazing start to the season, Connor McDavid and his season opening point streak reaching uh, 15 games now, uh, that's the headline. So when Dreisaitl scores two goals, bang, bang, like he did in the third period, it, it raises people's eyebrows, uh, you know, uh, across the continent that, okay, you know, Edmonton's dangerous. We know they can score. You know, maybe the Jets did hang on for the win. But of course, we know the Jets had that game in hand from start to finish. Connor Hellebuck, for my money, is playing the best hockey uh, of his career. And, and I know that's saying a lot. He's definitely playing the best hockey of the season right now. A couple of those key saves he has made over the last two wins uh, here in Winnipeg has really impressed me. Um, you know, he, he's stepping up when needed. And then, of course, uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Like, what a difference this team shows when it's not just Mark Shifley centering a top line. You have Pierre-Luc Dubois as good maybe even better right now. And that's a true top six and then two um, top gun centermen, uh, you know, leading the charge uh, on the Winnipeg Jets uh, forward core. And then, you know, you got someone like Nikolai Ehlers, who's normally just flying into the zone and, and uh, you know, uh, showing the great possession numbers and, and zone entry numbers. But then that absolute rocket from the left <laughs> circle uh, that, you know, caught everybody by surprise, frankly, because often those shots are, you know, uh, uh, a dime a dozen a game. But man, he picked a perfect spot and, and lasered it in there. He's showing a lot of um, versatility in his game, not just, uh, you know, skating circles around everybody. He can blast it by it, too. The entire order bench was too busy looking at Derek Ryan, who collided with Mark Shifley. And Shifley's like, no, I'm not going to get a penalty, am I? And uh, by the time they looked over to the ref to see if his arm was out, the puck was in the back of the net. And I mean, as far as yeah. Dubois goes, I mean, I thought Connor Hellebuck said it best when he was asked about him after the game. He goes, this guy is a horse. And he's playing yeah. like a horse right now. And um, I got to say, you know, considering the way this season started with those two uninspiring regulation losses out in California against teams that I think everyone expected the Jets to beat, the fact that they have, what, one regulation loss since then now sit in first place, uh, certainly exciting times for Winnipeg Jet fans. Uh, it's, been, it's been exciting for Bomber fans this entire season, though. Hey, just before we get to that, I know that you've yeah. been uh, covering – all sorts of football. We had the high school football uh, weekend. Congratulations to Vincent Massey and Grant Park on an amazing season, undefeated, coming up short in the final. Uh, and, of course, the Bisons. What a crazy season the Bisons have had, huh? Yeah. And uh, now, I mean, they're going to be in Saskatoon on the weekend, uh, one win away from uh, being the CanWest champs. Yeah, it's, it's really something because I remember this summer, the conversation around amateur football circles here in southern Manitoba was the Bisons don't have – an offensive line like they're not healthy they don't have the horses there what's going to happen how do you do anything without any offensive linemen game one of the canada west schedule Haas, the bisons dressed 10 offensive linemen and if i'm not mistaken none zero of those individuals had started a game at the university level on the offensive line so huge question marks going into the year they lose their top quarterback um, and, you know, somebody who I'm a huge fan of and love watching, a great uh, young man uh, in Des Catelier. He goes down to injury, season-ending injury, pretty early in the going. But the Bisons just kept racking up the wins. Um, you know, I got to hang out with uh, Justin Duncan and Darren DuPont, uh, who were on the broadcast for that game uh, on Saturday here in Winnipeg. It was delayed due to tons of snow on the field. Um, but this Bison team, in a year where 
the usual powerhouse Calgary Dinos had a very disappointing season and then didn't even get into the playoffs uh, despite some very talented players, um, especially on offense. Uh, it could be the Bison's year to uh, to make a push to the Vanier Cup. But you talk about a Cinderella story. Uh, the Bison did it. I do have to give a nod to a team close to my heart, Hustler, and that's the Absolutely. Winnipeg Rifles. They had a phenomenal year. If you look at where they started and where they finished, uh, the the COVID um, canceled 2020 season uh, really retired a lot of their veteran players. They came in a lot of 19 year olds, a lot of 20 year olds. They were tough in tough early in the season. They got better every single week. Um, you know, I, I do their play by play and got an opportunity to call games uh, with Matt Rollison and with the legendary Rod Hill of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and to see them improve all throughout the year uh, and see that homegrown talent. And even from, you know, Northwestern Ontario and, and you know, parts outside of Winnipeg and the Manitoba High School, um, you know, football league, uh, to, to see these kids and their growth, there's no surprise why so many Canadian Football League professionals come from junior mm. football as well as you sports. Well, and, and you know what? How many players are coming out of Winnipeg? And all you have to do is look Lots, at the beast yeah. of the CFL, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and looking at the pipeline from Oak Park and the more local players getting an opportunity um, with the Winnipeg Blue yep. Bombers. And that's all been another side story of just what has been an amazing year for football fans here in Manitoba. Um, so, you know, with minor football pretty much finished up, high school in the books, we've got the Hardy Cup with the Bisons on the weekend. Uh, still a little bit of waiting until December 5th for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in that West Final. Did hear today on the radio, I think there's only about 5,000 tickets left for that game. And I'll tell you what, DB, it, you know, for, from a season, and I know you've talked a lot about this on a Bonfire and on other shows that you've been on. It's been sort of different here in Winnipeg than it has been in a lot of other spots in the Canadian Football League. I mean, you look at the empty Certainly. seats and the disaster of the season that the Elks have had. Um, the fact that the Argos, I mean, listen, I was at the hockey game last night and I was very into the soccer game. I mean, I checked the score a couple of times. I don't even want to think about what the crowd was at BMO last night. Or it was essentially a nothing game between the Elks and the Toronto Argonauts. But well, um, they played like it was a nothing game, too. It was an absolute dud. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that was the word on the street. I don't think much was expected of it. A Tuesday yeah. game sandwiched in there in a game that really didn't mean much for uh, for either team. But, um, you know, considering some of the attendance problems elsewhere in the league and the storylines around it, man, that would be amazing, both for the Bombers, but the CFL as well, to have an packed stadium at IG Field for the first ever game in December in Winnipeg of all places. Um, and it's certainly shaping up to be that way. Yeah. Well, if we're looking at November 28th and those East and West division semifinals, those are now set. And in the West, of course, Calgary will travel to mosaic to take on the Saskatchewan rough riders. And, you know, if the riders win that game and I'm skeptical, I'm kind of rolling with the Stampeders right now. I've been watching the way they've been playing. I think, they're playing their best football when it matters, and that's you know into uh, the, the the latter part of the regular season and into the playoffs. Um, but if the Rough Riders win those five thousand tickets, maybe it's four thousand by then, maybe it's three thousand. <laughs> they're going to be gone in an absolute snap. Uh, that fan base travels extremely well. It would you know, be so good. From, you know, people coming from Brandon and Verdon with their their S's and uh, on their chest and uh, the the green and white uh, garb, uh, you know, from head to toe, and uh, it'll be a great atmosphere. And you know, early indications are the weather will be okay, 
right? Like that was the big worry back in the spring when this CFL schedule came out. It wasn't just the November, or pardon me, December 12th Grey Cup uh, in Hamilton because it's Southern Ontario. It, it's looking like, you know, daytime high plus two, low in the evening, minus four. That's pretty good uh, for football in Canada. But it was those, especially the West Division semifinal and West Division final uh, on December 5th. If that game was in Edmonton or Calgary or Saskatchewan or Winnipeg, it was probably going to be cold, but it looks good. And here's the thing, Hustler. You've you been to pulling out the Farmer's in... Almanac or what? I mean, that we're still like three weeks yes. out. The, yes, the I have. Farmers? Yes, I, I heard that December was going to be cold. I like this breaking news. It might not be well, as bad as a lot of people worry about. I, I hope not. And I do know Southern Ontario, will they, they're set for a mild beginning of December and then a pretty cold, hellacious, snow-filled uh, latter part of December. So I hope December 12th fits in on that first half and, and then it's a, a, you know, a white Christmas and a happy holidays for everybody. But um, as far as this game in Winnipeg, Hustler, you talk to anybody right now, like I'm talking to NHL off-ice officials during intermission at the Jets game last night and, and really during this homestand. I'm talking to Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, who's recruiting a lot of high school athletes right now. You, you talk to other reporters, you know, I'm talking to people in Calgary and Toronto uh, and Montreal and, and Saskatchewan and everywhere. If the Winnipeg Blue Bombers don't win December 5th, tell me, a greater disappointment in recent memory or even a generation here in Winnipeg. I understand 2001 in the Grey Cup. That was a That's very, it. very good Blue That's Bombers the only team. thing that could compare to it. You know, Kevin Glenn breaking his arm in 2007, reaching for that fumble. Uh, you know, the, the Bombers not being able to, to cap off a great... Um, uh, you know, overall season and, and that Swaggerville defense in 2011, the Winnipeg Jets losing in 2018 to the Vegas Golden Knights in the conference finals. I don't know if anything holds a candle to how dominant this Blue Bombers team is. Now, the team awards come out today, how decorated this Blue Bombers team is and just where the expectations are with how Mike O'Shea has the mentality of this team to just not worry about the past, not look into the future. It's one week at a time. December 5th is going to be a historic day one way or the other at IG Field in Winnipeg. No doubt about it. Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, talking, well, talking a lot of things, but we're going to get focused in on the Bombers. You mentioned those awards just before we get to that. Um, they're back practicing, getting ready for Calgary this weekend to finish off the regular season. As we've discussed, um, even going into last week, everything was set for the blue and gold. They want to be as healthy and as ready as possible for the 5th of December. Uh, it was no Zach Caleros last week. Kind of an ugly performance for Sean McGuire. Um, everyone's deduction from that is keep Zach Caleros healthy, upright, and ready for the fifth. Um, and then he wasn't at practice yesterday. And I think a lot of people that weren't really tuned into the team was like, wait a second. Don't tell me he got hurt on the bye week. No, he didn't get hurt. He did not get hurt on his bye week. Congratulations to the Caleros family for uh, welcoming a new daughter in. Um, what do you expect um, from Mike O'Shea when it comes to players for this Calgary game right now. And will Zach Caleros play Darren? And uh, how much will he play, do you think? I'm told that we should expect Zach Caleros to play in Calgary this weekend. Is that the smart decision? Is that a worrisome decision? I think both are true. Um, of course, you want all of your players to be as healthy as possible when the games matter. And for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, like you could almost treat last week 
in that second game against Montreal as a pseudo bye week. They sat a lot of guys down. They rested a lot of guys. Stanley Bryant broke uh, one of the most impressive Ironman streaks in CFL history. And uh, I expect him to be named the CFL's most outstanding offensive lineman at the league level and, and be on the stage in Hamilton uh, for the CFL awards. Um, you know, resting guys at this point of the season, it's, it's a huge debate and it's, there's so much gray area there. The thing we don't know on the outside and especially here in Winnipeg in a Mike O'Shea run football operation, how hurt is say a Dietrich Nichols, how banged up is a Jackson Jeffco? or an Adam Big Hill. Now, like Big Hill and Jefferson both played in Montreal. Big Hill took some time, you know, maybe every second series off for a stretch there in the game. Is that preservation? Is that, you know, because he was tightening up? Jamarcus Hardrick started the game. Good for him because he's missed the last, you know, the, the previous three with a hip injury and then sat down in the second half. That injury to Drew Richmond um, you know, early in that game, who's filling in for Stanley Bryant changed some things, but that's a strength the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have. That's a, a feather in their cap is that while these games don't truly matter when it comes to the final gun, whether it's a W or an L in the column, uh, it does matter to so many other things with continuity and gel, ensuring Sean McGuire is comfortable as a starting quarterback. Uh, ensuring your health is where it needs to be, ensuring those systems uh, and the playbook uh, are in place. And that, you know, if something happens prior to December 5th, you have a contingency plan, a plan B and a plan C. Um, as far as Sean McGuire goes, I think that was an extremely valuable experience. No doubt he would like a lot of those throws back. I found it interesting, Hustler, that, you know, he threw four interceptions and three late in the game. He says those throws and those plays that he would like back are even outside of those interceptions. He was really pressing uh, to try to get the Blue Bombers back in that game and, and, you know, maybe made some throws into tighter windows than he would like. But if you watch the game, and especially early in that game, it was some of those throws that were off target, low, you know, wide of guys, you know, hitting an unsuspecting Darvin Adams in the shoulder pad. He didn't even expect the ball to come on, on kind of a, a crossing route early in the game. It was those throws and those play executions Sean McGuire wishes he had back. As far as Zach Kolaris, you know, resting him would be one thing if he traveled to Montreal. Again, congratulations to him and wife Nicole, second baby daughter, healthy uh, and delivered this week. But he's kind of been kicking at home, you know, cuddling up uh, with his wife and, and with his babies. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt he has been still working out and, and in the playbook and preparing. But it's not like he has been on the plane and in, in that football rhythm. I think it's important for him to travel to Calgary, process as he would any other game week, because you do have a bye um, you know, in late November before that uh, that big game here in Winnipeg. I think it's important for Zach Kolaris to get back into the swing of things uh, for these, uh, you know, the, this game on December 5th, that's a big one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 171 yards behind Riley after taking last week off. Riley's not going to start. I'm not sure that it matters to Caleros or Mike O'Shea or anyone no. there if Caleros leads the CFL in passing. It certainly does to those of us with 13 to 1 preseason tickets on him to do that. <laughs> so I'm going to be really invested in this game to see what happens. But of course, I'm joking about that. The most important thing is that Zach Caleros is healthy. Because as we saw from Sean McGuire, I mean, they might see some things. Hey, man, I don't know if you're winning a great cup if Zach Caleros is not behind center. All that being said, speaking of Zach Caleros, 
He was named the Bombers' most outstanding player today. There was a lot of talk about this generational defense, Darren, and you know we'll get to the defensive selection in a minute. Um, but I think did did Caleros win them MOP last week when they saw what the Bombers looked like with them out of the lineup? Uh, you know, you have to wonder if that factored into uh, to some of the voters. You know, there's uh, four or five, uh, four media members here in Winnipeg uh, that vote. And then head coach Mike O'Shea, like every coach in the CFL, has a vote as well uh, for the CFL team awards and those team nominees that will go to the each division uh, in the next round of voting. Mike O'Shea joked last week that maybe he would abstain when it came to voting, I don't think he did. We knew we do need that odd number, that fifth vote uh, in the event of a tie. But I don't think there was a lot of, um, you know, discrepancy or debate for the majority of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers team awards. DeAndre Alford, hands down, the Blue Bombers most outstanding rookie uh, in 2021, played a very tough position. Boundary cornerback. That's where the best DBs in the CFL play. Boundary corner and boundary half. And how impressive him and Dietrich Nichols have been this year. Of course, Dietrich not eligible for this award because he has played pro football uh, prior to joining the Blue Bombers this season. Mike uh, Miller, or I will say um, Casey Sales, the defensive tackle, got my number two vote for most outstanding rookie. Special teams, Mike Miller, hands down, breaks the record this season. He's got, what, 24 Hmm. special teams tackles, 25. He he nearly had another one uh, in Montreal, and you even saw him kind of just miss the returner's ankle and, and, you know, kind of clap his hands because that would have been another one uh, to kind of stack on top. I, I think Mike Miller's got a lot of football left in him. Uh, well, and that, and that was probably the career. easiest one of them all. I mean, it certainly wasn't any of the kickers yeah. that were in for the special teams no, player. No, But, um, but I mean, Miller is, I mean, he's, he's legendary. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the t-shirts yeah. have been made up. I mean, he was celebrated earlier this season. And you mentioned, I mean, Alford, I think, was a slam dunk. Miller was a slam dunk. Stanley Bryant, as you mentioned, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. And we all expect him to be nominated for the West Division and probably win the award. I will add, Jamarcus Hardrick was having a season as good, maybe even better than Stanley Bryant. When you talk to the experts and the people that really know the intricacies of that position, Jamarcus was right there prior to getting injured. Uh, the fact that Stanley Bryant stayed healthy through it all, as he really has throughout his CFL career, I think that's why he got the nod. But uh, deserving of him and could become the first ever three-time winner of the CFL Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman Award. Yeah, that would be a, a great feather in the cap of Stanley Bryant. But I, I think, you know, like most of these players, it's great to get the individual awards, but they all want to ring another yep. one for most of them that were part of that 2019 team. I mean, it's been a fun conversation throughout this season talking about the Bombers defense in particular. Yeah. And we've had this conversation before, like, who the hell is the Bombers most outstanding defensive player? And I I think if if I had to have a vote, I think if it came down to it, I think I'd probably go Adam Big Hill. But man, the difference between him and Willie J and Jackson Jeffcoat and probably those guys kind of take a little bit of juice from each other. Um, yeah. And of course, Brandon Alexander, the season yes. he's had too. I mean, and, and Alford though, he's come in. I, I, I guess when it comes down to it, Adam Big Hill was a good choice of a number of incredibly deserving nominees that had they been on other teams, probably would have heard their name called. We do remember Joe Vaughn Johnson of the Swaggerville defense of uh, years gone by hustler. And, you know, for a defensive back to be named the team's most outstanding defensive player, you need to have a lot of interceptions. You need to be locked down, all of those things. But for Jovan to win it 
uh, at the league level and be named the, the CFL's most outstanding defensive player as a DB was really something. So for DeAndre Alford, maybe that's something in the years to come. That is, if he doesn't go the way of the National Football League, which, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of, you know, peppered into conversation as maybe a possibility uh, even as early as this winter. But when it came to the Blue Bombers' most outstanding defensive player, there were four names. Brandon Alexander, for my money, easily run away the best safety in the CFL today. His communication, his leadership, uh, his intimidation, and the way he, um, you know, is such a daunting presence at the back of that Blue Bombers defense really gave, as Chris Walby likes to refer to it, alligator arms to those receivers. You know, like getting a little bit short when the ball's coming because 37 might be barreling down at him to, to lay the hurt. Um, Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson, like 1A, 1B amongst defensive ends in the CFL this season. The reason I voted for Adam Big Hill and the reason I'm glad that he got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers nomination is that as a linebacker, especially a middle linebacker, you got to go find the play. You got to go make it happen. And Big Hill was so impactful all over the field in 2021. He rushed the line of scrimmage. He ran to the sidelines in running back pass coverage. He dropped back to, you know, even the safety spot next to Brandon Alexander at times. He made plays 20 yards downfield, two yards uh, downfield in the uh, opposing offense's backfield. He really was everywhere. And the thing, the intangible that put him over the top for me, Hustler, I think should not be overlooked. In 2019, Willie Jefferson was the best player in the league, I think, regardless of position, even if you look at the quarterbacks in the CFL. But Adam Big Hill was really injured, and he turned things on late in the season and was really uh, a huge, solid piece during that Grey Cup run. But through the middle parts of the 2019 season, he was really banged up, fighting a hamstring injury. And a lot of people wondered, okay, how much you know does Adam Big Hill have left? He showed up in 2021, the consummate leader and professional. He always is the mentor to all those young players and in maybe the best physical shape of his life. It's the reason, in my opinion, this Blue Bombers defense was so good from start to finish this season. Well, you know what? It's been a great season and these individual accolades got to give a shout out to Nick Dembski, who's had a great season. He's up for the top Canadian. We'll see if he can get the West nominee. Uh, but it will all be about December 5th. That being said, there is one more game on the schedule. It's Saturday night, the final game of the regular season, Bombers at Calgary. And if the Bombers are playing, that means you and Big Bluto are getting after it at Bonfire. Fill people in on uh, when and where they can find uh, all of your content heading into the final game of the regular season. Yeah, you mentioned Nick Dembski. I got to plug this. I had a great one-on-one conversation with him. That's going to be up on our YouTube page today. Uh, And you can also find all that stuff on bonfiresports.ca. Walby will join me as always. uh, First thing Saturday, as it is first thing every Blue Bombers game day, we'll get you covered uh, from top to bottom uh, with some pregame coverage. And if you're interested with all this uh, CFL awards talk, we have uh, our um, debate for those CFL awards uh, up on the YouTube page uh, as well right now. And, you know, Walby and I got into it pretty good. Uh, You know, some, as we talked about, pretty easy picks, others debatable. Um, But, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. And and this is, you know, really, Hustler, my favorite time of the year. Yeah, well, fun conversations. It is a great time of the year. And uh, as we mentioned off the top, a lot of great things happening for 
all the local teams right now, but uh, all eyes on December 5th. Let's fill that stadium and have a memorable day here in Winnipeg and hopefully see the Bombers go back to the Grey Cup. DB, thanks for doing this, man. Always great having you on the program. You bet, Haas. Call me Grey Cup week. I'll be there. Right on. Thanks, DB, for joining us. Great chat here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And great to see so many people with us live on YouTube right now. Special shout out to our girl, Taylor Ewell Miller, who was repping Winnipeg WST last night at Ice Tecca. Um, we're going to talk about that with Lieutenant Eric coming up a little bit later on. Murata Tesh coming up in just a few minutes. And for everybody that maybe joined us just after the start of the program. Important programming announcement. First off, please, by the way, hit that thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And this is a great reminder to turn your notifications on because tomorrow's show is not going to be at its normal time. Normally, we're going 1 to 3, roughly. Tomorrow, um, we've got to go from 11 until 1. If you're listening to the podcast the podcast will be there as it normally is. We're just doing the show a little earlier. But for everyone that enjoys mucking it up with everyone else in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat, moving up the show tomorrow, 11 a.m., we will get going. Um, and we'll do the regular program. We'll be getting ready for Jets and Oilers and much more. Heading right up to 1 p.m. when you'd normally. I mean, listen, if you normally get in at 1, the show will be there on YouTube as it normally is. But for everyone that likes to be with us live tomorrow, 11 a.m., and a great way to do is just turn your notifications on. Every time we go live on YouTube, you'll get a little bit on your phone, and boom, you can come and join us. So really looking forward to that. We're going to talk more Jets with Murata Tesh of The Athletic coming up, as well as Adam Lowry's number one ranking in the NHL-style power poll put together by Murat's colleague Sarah Sivian of The Athletic. All that coming up in a few minutes. But as I mentioned right off the top of the program, these are uh, these are fun times for fans here in Winnipeg. The Jets are in first place. The Bombers are getting ready to host that December 5th game. Canada soccer, after that win last night, can smell their first World Cup appearance since 1986 at the top of the table. And whether you want to support Team Canada, whether you want to get the Bombers ready get ready for the bomber game on the 5th of december or just rep the blue and gold as they look to win another great cup or the first place jets royal sports is the spot for uh, all of your merchandise needs not to mention next week speaking of team canada i know we're talking a lot of soccer right now next week the team canada olympic jerseys will be dropped and we'll debut them here i believe on wednesday's show on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Royal Sports, in addition to that, they are the uh, undefeated heavyweight champs of hockey for over 35 years in the city of Winnipeg with millions of dollars of inventory, goalies, forwards, they've got it all. Uh, and with the snow falling, maybe you're going to hit the hills at some point. They are the snowboard experts as well. Had a big sale a couple weeks ago, tons of stock in, getting ready for winter. It's all there over with our friends at Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway. And you can follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise dropping as well as sales and more from our friends at Royal Sports. Uh, our gang at Not Autocorp is uh, ready to go for the holidays. Now, it might not be, you know, a stocking stuffer, a new ride, but you know the minute you get to winter, um, there's a lot of people realizing maybe it is time to get into a new car. Uh, before you do anything, if you're looking for a vehicle, 
why not get into a great good deal with the help of the Knot team on the car of your dreams over at Knot Auto Corp. Um, they've got it all, Waverly and McGillivray, and of course, the new Winnipeg Car Lab is open as well. They'll do wraps, tinting, striping, rims, and more. Winnipeg Car Lab's on all the social channels at Winnipeg Car Lab, and of course, our friends at Knot Auto Corp are at Waverly and McGillivray, or you can check them out online at knot.ca. And uh, listen, I don't know about you folks. Uh, I did enjoy a celebratory 1919 after the game last night. Maybe a couple, actually. One for the Jets, one for Team Canada, one for the Ice, one for the Bombers. No, it was uh, <laughs> it certainly makes the celebrations a lot better with uh, some of the best beer produced locally here in Winnipeg by our friends over at Little Brown Jug. If you haven't checked out the tap room already, get down there at William Avenue. Of course, you can buy all the great Little Brown Jug, Little Brown Jug products to take home. Also, a great spot to meet friends. And if you're looking for a great spot for maybe a holiday party for your business or gathering, there's a link right on the events page now to um, book something over at Little Brown Jug. And of course, you can get the new winter variety pack, including the limited edition double available at local beer stores as well or online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right, we will talk more about Team Canada and the historic win last night from a friend of ours that was at the game, Lieutenant Eric in Edmonton. We'll do that in a few minutes, but let's continue the hockey talk in between this home and home series of the Jets and Oilers with another great friend of the program, Marat Atesh of The Athletic. What is up, my friend? It's great to have you back on the program. Uh, exciting times for Winnipeg fans, especially hockey fans, coming out of that game last night. Yeah, absolutely. Not only did they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Edmonton, Haddle McDavid and Dreisaitl get the win, moving to first place in the division, but they did it playing a brand of hockey that is actually even better than what they did against them in the playoffs last year in terms of flow of play, in terms of the shots, shot quality, the way that they were even able to play their own game and assert themselves against Edmonton instead of just holding on for dear life. This is a good Jets team. And I think that it's uh, it's time to start talking about it like one. Well, I, you know, and I think that win last night, Murad, I think probably opened up some eyes around uh, around the National Hockey League. And I, I ask you this, what were you expecting going into that game? Because, I mean, the Jets have been playing quite well at home. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers had just been finishing a road trip where they'd actually beaten the good teams that they played and had a couple real duds against Detroit and Buffalo. Um, but, you know, with the background of the four-game sweep in the playoffs, um, you know, and I think a few changes to both teams with great starts, um, I mean, to me, there was a lot of people talking about it would be a big test. It certainly was, I think, for both teams. But, I mean, how did the game play out as opposed to what you expected? Not maybe necessarily in the goals and what happened, but just the atmosphere of it, the competitive level. And, and who do you think was more prepared for that game right out of the gate? Well, I mean, when Adam Lowry puts that goal in on Mikko Koskinen for, from that kind of range, you know, it sort of changes the complexion of the game early. I'm sure that's a squeaker the goalie would like back. For Adam Lowry, though, let's just put this on the record. He's at a goal per game pace ever since being named the Athletic.com's uh, style king for his his looks and his brims and his suits, all of that. So, you know, I think that there may be a correlation here worth exploring, Hus. Um, in terms of how the game played out, though, the thing I'm looking for when I watch Edmonton and Winnipeg play against each other, Winnipeg won that series. That's the last piece of competition we had. So what I was looking for was a sign. Is Winnipeg going to try to approach it the exact same way? By that, I mean Winnipeg's forecheck changed a, a great deal against Edmonton last year. You saw Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Blake Wheeler on a line 
playing so passively. They were sending one guy deep into the zone, backing the two guys way off, playing those two guys with the, with the two defensemen, playing basically four wide at the line, trying to take speed away from, from McDavid and Dreisaitl. And you know what? They sort of ate it a little bit. They, McDavid and Dreisaitl ran rampant. Connor Hellbuck played amazing. You got the best games of Morrissey and, and DeMello that we had had that, that year. Winnipeg didn't play at all like that last night. And that's the thing I liked. That's the impressive thing for me. And I asked Paul Maurice about that today. And he said it's about the quality of the back end. Winnipeg can play a different game this year. And if you see Winnipeg's blue liners pinching, playing aggressively, even against McDavid and Dreisaitl, it's a sign that he has confidence in his forwards to play hard, come back hard as well. Because like Maurice said, if you lose your F3, if you lose that back-checking forward and that back pressure against the Edmonton Oilers, they will destroy you. And the idea that Winnipeg got to play its own game and not get burned in that way, I think was the greatest sign. Yeah. Now you did mention Adam Lowry being number one on the athletic uh, style power poll done by Sarah Sivy. And we, I, we can't just overlook that. Uh, Murat's got a great piece <laughs> in the athletic talking to him about it. And, uh, and you know what, once I really got into the uh, contenders, I think he was maybe a worthy choice, not a guy we would have maybe thought at the beginning of the year, but uh some really great look. So definitely go in and check that out, folks, if you haven't seen it already. Uh, some great analysis from our guy, Andrew Parks, over at F Apparel, breaking down it as well. I mean, you really, I always love the deep dives. I wasn't sure we would get one on Adam Lowry's fashion sense, but uh, <laughs> you know what? The uh, Remus has got the photos of it right now, if you haven't seen it right now. Anyways, that was a lot of fun. That Adam Lowry goal was interesting because that's a terrible goal. I mean, Koskinen cannot let that goal in. However, um, I would say he made some really big saves later on in that first period. I mean, when we got to the first intermission, the Jets were absolutely worthy of a one-goal lead. And to be honest, it could have been much worse, and it got worse in the second period for the Edmonton Oilers. I agree with that. And I have a, a pretty large contingent of Oilers fans on my Twitter feed, so I feel like I get a certain section of, of how they're approaching the game. And I get the sense that Koskinen was torched last night in terms of the narrative about that game. And I mean, other than that one goal, I, I don't know where I can find it. I thought that Winnipeg laid on the pressure. There were all kinds of chances. You had Kyle Connor flying, Pierre-Luc Dubois creating. Blake Wheeler looked pretty good with those guys as well. Um, so I don't know. Are you expecting him to get Nick Wheeler's slap shot? Are you expecting him to get the deflection or that power play goal, which is a backdoor perfect set? I, I can't find the moment that he's supposed to be there other than that first Lowry goal. I really think it's a case of a, you know, Winnipeg Jets team. Um, not only did they, you know, they, they hold, they, they didn't hold McDavid and Dreisaitl off the score sheet. The power play, you know, definitely made sure that they got on board, but Dreisaitl was below 50% in terms of shot attempts and flow of play last night. When does that happen? And so this was a very good game by the Winnipeg Jets. If uh, if you're if you're you know pinning that one on the goaltender in Edmonton, I think that that just sort of undersells the flow of play. Edmonton was not the better team last night. Yeah, um, they they weren't. I agree. And Connor Hellebuck was definitely the better goaltender. As much as you know, Koskinen gave up that one and could have given some more. I mean, the saves that Hellebuck made at times early on in the game, and then again later on in the third period when Edmonton was pushing. Although I really thought the Jets answered it well. I mean. I was sitting in the stands and you could feel the tension, those two quick goals. I mean, that turn a four nothing laugher into, you know, a very tight hockey game, right? For a team that can score faster than maybe anyone else. Um, but that, that felt like Vesna level Hellebuck last night. I mean, hard to imagine. I mean, if the Winnipeg Jets get that sort of goaltending and play the way they're doing, we could be talking about a first place team for more than just a blip. 
Yeah, I mean, 32 out of 34 saves, I believe it was. They're 32 saves on 34 shots. The only ones that beat them are these incredible chances on the power play. One's at five on three. Um, and then you have that sort of like hold your breath moment after those two goals. And what's going to come of this? Because you know Edmonton's pushing. You know they've got that offensive talent. And the thing that sort of turned it for me, other than Winnipeg, you know, holding its own and holding the fort, was that like stupid Connor McDavid shoulder through Neil Pionk's head. That, you know, after that for me, you know, it gives Winnipeg a chance to breathe. It gets them on the power play. No, they don't necessarily create with that. But I thought that that was a momentum turner for a guy who must be frustrated because I agree with a lot of the criticism. He doesn't get calls. You know, he gets he gets that shoulder in the face. I'm not sure he gets the call, but he put it into Pionk. And it really, I think, derailed Edmonton's shot at a comeback, in my opinion. Um not hard to blame a guy when he's part of the two goals that go in as well. But I thought that there were some key pieces of momentum in that third period. And Winnipeg is going to be a playoff team. Winnipeg is looking at ways to turn itself into, you know, not just a playoff team, but somebody that's going to win a round, win multiple rounds. Well, if they can carry the flow of play in a way that they didn't against a better Oilers team, and they can get that Connor Hellebuck, and they're transitioning the puck a little bit better. It's really only the few elite teams that really smet things down in the middle of the ice that are absolutely you know, going to prove a challenge point for the Jets. Well, Marat, and you mentioned that play with McDavid. I mean, I will say this. I think if it was the other way around, I mean, it would be uh, we'd be talking about it a lot more, <laughs> to be honest. But you're right. I mean, he's frustrated. And, you know, Remus jokingly retweeted the cheekiest tweet in Winnipeg Jets history from the playoffs last year, the infamous rent-free tweet with uh, Pionk and McDavid going at it. And I was on <laughs> talking with some of the guys in Edmonton yesterday on TSN 1260, and more than one said, the defenseman in the NHL that gives Connor McDavid the hardest time is Neil Pionk. And lo and behold, there it was in the third period of a game that was still very much to be decided, um, you know, Connor McDavid takes a poor penalty and guess who's on the receiving end of it? Neil Pionk, who uh, I think made a point of uh, mentioning, uh, thanks for coming out as he went to the penalty box. It was a really big play, but I mean, what is it about Pionk and the way that he steps up against McDavid that's made him so effective, certainly last night and throughout that playoff series that ended it quicker than anyone could have imagined. Well, I mean, he gets to McDavid physically for sure. I mean, he gets on him. He actually makes contact with the hits McDavid's so fast that a lot of players who think that they can hit him don't end up getting a piece of him, right? And so Neil Pionk has a few highlight, highlight reel hits on Connor McDavid over the past year or so. I think that has got to be an impact on the player. But when you combine that with McDavid not getting the calls in the playoffs, when you combine that with four straight Winnipeg Jets victories, that game three incredible turnaround, I think that there's a sense maybe developing in Edmonton that you know, they feel like they should be able to beat the Winnipeg Jets. They can't. The frustration is building. And who do you pin it on? But this guy that's, you know, always getting a piece of you every time that you uh, that you enter the zone. I don't know how much to make of that. But there there's a rivalry building. And the idea that Connor McDavid would be frustrated by anybody that much. And it's by Neil Pionk, the much maligned or acquired from Jacob Truba for Pionk in a first once upon a time. I mean, that's quite the story. Well, it, it, it really is. And... You know, Pionk has been, you know, I think to many people, I mean, one of the brightest surprises in the last few years with what was expected and what was said from people that had never seen him play when he came here to what he's turned into. And of course, signing that extension and a big part of this team going forward. But man, we did see a real significant difference. There was at times last year, especially in the playoffs, 
where it felt like the Jets were hanging on against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And, you know, whether it was the way the lines were put together, I mean, I think we've got a lot of, give a lot of credit to Pierre-Luc Dubois in particular for the, his two-way game last night. I mean, he scored, he was the first star of the game, but let's not forget that he was the choice of Paul Maurice to, along with Wheeler and Connor, to go out against Connor McDavid at times with Leon Dreisaitl as well. And, um, you know, those guys got it done, but man, the additions of Nate Schmidt, but Brendan Dillon, especially, man, he was physical last night. I mean, the the components on the Jets' blue line, I think, really stood out in last night's game when you think back to what the Jets had to do to keep the Oilers in check in that four-game series. Yeah, I think that you connect a lot of really great points there. One of the reasons why we probably undersold Neil Pionk is maybe not getting a full grasp of just how dependent these guys are on a full five-man unit of defense. And to put together the video of New York when Pionk was part of it, they were a mess defensively. That was a terrible defensive team that year. And I, you can find the, the New York Rangers contingent being like, yeah, we knew we were a mess kind of deal. I don't think that that was properly conveyed. Once you start having players as a, as a complete five-person group in their positions, leaning on each other, making the reads, all that sort of stuff, players can look better in an awful hurry. When you connect that to the Winnipeg Jets with Pionk and Dylan, Dylan in the last few games has been excellent in my mind. I mean, physical on the puck, moving the puck well. The kick save was a beauty as well. <laughs> Morrissey and Schmidt, what we're finding is that this cumulative effect of a top four defense you can count on, a Pierre-Luc Dubois that can play a 200-foot game, and I don't think that we're going to get a, a Selkie trophy from Mark Scheifele or, or, or Kyle Connor at any point, but they're, you know, they're playing a as strong of games in that front as we've seen. And suddenly you have the team talking about a five-man def defensive buy-in, Pierre-Luc Dubois was talking about last night. And it's making everybody look better. And I think that hockey's such a connected game that when you get that kind of buy-in, it does look better. No, they weren't hanging on to the degree that they used to. And you can point at it, you know, those four games that Winnipeg swept, I don't think you point at that and say that's sustainable forever. You know, at some point, the the, the dam's going to break. Three of them were in overtime. One was a three-goal comeback. I mean, it, yeah. it was the closest sweep in NHL history. I, I'm willing to grant you that. Full marks. But last night's game, you play it, you make that one look like it did, you know, time and time again. Winnipeg would win that seven-game series. And yeah, maybe Edmonton has a higher height to reach. They've been on a long trip before this, all that sort of stuff. You know, they they may have a better game available to them. I'm not saying writing the Edmonton Oilers off. But if you specifically play last night's game, Winnipeg's going to win that series more often than not, I think. Well, um, and, and, you know, you certainly felt that, you know, coming out of the game. And, you know, for as well as the Jets played to get that 4 nothing lead, um, you know, we've talked about it coming in. I mean, I think every Jet fan was going to be, like, freaked out anytime the ref's arm went even close to going up because of how deadly that power play is. And, you know, people can debate the the merits of the the penalty that put them up 5-3. But my God, Murad, it didn't take them long to get one on the board. And right after that, it's all of a sudden 4-2. There's 16 and a half minutes left in the third period. And it is very much game on. Uh, what was your thoughts and analysis of the way the Jets handled that? Um, because they've been in complete control of the game. And my God, we've seen Dreisaitl and McDavid get hot. Just ask the New York Rangers what happened with that three or four goal lead a few weeks ago. Um it seemed like the coach especially was happy with the way that the team responded at a time when a lot of teams, I think, would have really been back on their heels after those two early third-period goals. Yeah, there's an opportunity there to get rattled. I mean, when a, a, 
Andrew Cobb's penalty to go just to the five on four was kind of unnecessary. He got a stick caught in a position, uh, you know, at the offensive blue line. He probably didn't want to take that penalty. It's not a brutal call. It's not a brutal play. It's just a penalty that you wouldn't necessarily like to have happen. Turn that into a long five on three with that Logan Stanley boarding play. And then six seconds later, that goal goes in. I mean, it's instantaneously the, like the speed at which they carved Winnipeg apart. They do it again at five on four. All of a sudden it's four two. You know, that's an opportunity to get rattled to be sure. And I think one of the reasons why the coach was focused on how well Winnipeg handled it is, is one, because the Jets won. But two, all the questions we asked last night, all the questions media asked last night, they weren't about why was their power play so good. It was quickly mention the goals and then let's talk about how you handled it. So, I mean, what we do impacts what they say about what they did in a way. I, and I just have to note that. Um, but, but to the point of Winnipeg's resilience, like I say, it was an opportunity to get rattled and they didn't cave to it. And when you are giving in the third period, the flow of play was more in the Oilers sort of point a favor part of me. When you give up that flow of play, McDavid and Drysaddle are going. And I think about this one play in particular. Drysaddle is known for this. He's cutting wide around the net from right to left. He's uh, on the backhand and ready to fire that. Like it looks like he's going to go all the way around the net, but he's always thinking about firing a pass into the slot. And he can pick so many different spots. Well, Yessi Puliyarvi was stoned by by Connor Hellebuck in tight. He gets a cover after a long stretch of offensive zone time. For me, it was the goalie who ensured that that rattling never happened because the saves were always there. No, you're right. And you asked him about that. How did he describe it again? What was what was the verbiage that he had when he talked about that play? Um, he shut down all of his, what was the word? Yesi Puyuyarvi's options, his spots. He smothered, he smothered, that was the yeah. one. He smothered his his options is all I can think of, which made me think that like Hellebuck has this elite best in the world sense of what angle that puck is coming off a of dry sidle to Puyuyarvi. He knows where Puyuyarvi's stick is. There's maybe three or four spots Puyuyarvi could possibly put that to make it a goal. And Hellebuck knows them and he has covered them off. So that's, I mean, this is why I don't analyze goaltending as a general rule. These guys are, are next level and the stuff that they, that goes into what they do to even Sometimes make it look easy. Sometimes make it spectacular. I mean, you know, Hellebuck's a great. Well, the one the one thing about Hellebuck, I mean, I'm with you. I want to analyze the goaltending other than, you know, what we see and what happens. But I do love analyzing what we hear from these guys, as do you. And, I mean, I've always loved Hellebuck's interviews more than anyone else because he's one of these weird, quirky goalies. He doesn't seem to have much of a filter. He always seems to tell you what he's feeling. And often what he's feeling, especially when he's playing the way he is right now, is a level of confidence that, I mean, if an average human could just take into their daily life, they'll, prob <laughs> they'll probably dominate. Um, but man, we felt it last night, and I'm not sure who it was that asked him, hey, how do you feel about this great road trip? You're in first place, you're 5-1-1. One, and one. and he just deadpans going, well, we, we want to win every game. I mean, you know, we're going to take it one day at a time, but we're there to win right now. And the funny thing is, he actually believes, you got to love it, that they can win and will win every time they go on the ice. And when it doesn't go their way, I mean, there's a real level of frustration because the expectations, starting with the guy in net, have been raised to a level that, you know, honestly, we haven't seen in a long time. I like the swagger. I mean, like, <laughs> it's the best. Sometimes it's just so, but like, just God grant me the confidence, half the confidence of that statement. Just stone cold, yeah, five, you know, five, one, and one, moved into first place in the division. You know, today's game was great. You played, we would like to win all of the games. <laughs>
come on, you know, like to, to have that rate, like that, that level of consistent excellence in, in any one thing that you do. I, I would, I would like to have a little piece of that. That's for sure. Hey, speaking of goaltending, just like a heading into, um, you know, this game, I would imagine they're going to roll out exactly what we saw last night in Edmonton tomorrow night with, um, you know, Dave Tippett having the last change. Um, but it's been a little while since we've seen Eric Comrie. I guess, you know, with the back-to-backs, I mean, I think we can pretty much pencil him in for uh, the Friday start. And um, then I'd imagine, I think there's another back-to-back next week. But other than that, it's pretty hard not to keep riding Connor Halpick, especially with that unexpected week that he had off a little earlier in the season. Yeah, you know what? I, I think, do you remember when we were talking about, like, when will Eric Comrie start? Will it be the back-to-back? Yeah, yeah that, that was the story. So I, I agree with you. I think you got to give, you know, Hellebuck the next one. Edmonton's probably the more dynamic of the two teams. And, and you know, Hellebuck just played a great one in sort of cementing that win. And then Eric Comrie's ready to go. He's he's given Winnipeg an opportunity to play him without sort of fear, without galaxy braining or overthinking it into Hellebuck playing to, like a back-to-back sort of situation. It's it's a good situation for, for the Jets to be in. I'm sure we'll see a, a much improved a refocused Edmonton Oilers team on Thursday night. But, you know, Winnipeg playing well as it is, they're they're still kind of in haymaking season here, especially if they roll into Vancouver with a little bit of confidence. Hey, just uh, throw, uh, imagine being Dave Tippett for a minute. I mean, after what you saw last night and the way the Jets were quite successful, uh, particularly at five on five, um, do you try to move McDavid and those guys away from the Dubois line? I mean, is there is there a matchup that makes a lot of sense? Do they go at Shifley with those top guys, uh, do you think, tomorrow? How different do you think those coaching matchups will be in the rematch where Dave Tippett has the final change? Yeah, I think for for Tippett, the, the interesting thing is how quickly he puts the two of those guys together. And I go back to the playoffs where Winnipeg won game one by the grace of Dominic Toninato's double deflection. And if you look at the flow of play, the process in game one, McDavid and Dreisaitl on separate lines, each line dominated. Now, this is a much better Winnipeg Jets team. I don't think it's a, it's a given, but they started separately yesterday as well. And as soon as things kind of go wrong a little bit, the place to, you know, I think it was towards the last five minutes of the second period all the way into the third, and maybe a little bit on a shift here or there before that, that you put those guys together and... For me, if you have confidence in just how elite those guys are, it doesn't really matter who they're playing against so much as have the confidence to split them up. You have Zach Hyman now. You have Fogel now. You have, you know, Zach Cassian's healthy as well. Ryan Nugent Hopkins can play with one of those guys or, or play on the third unit as well. I think the thing that I've taken away, and maybe it's just I'm overreading it into the fact that Winnipeg wins, so Winnipeg must have done everything right. Edmonton must have done everything wrong. I've always thought that Tippett's a bit quick on that trigger to put those two guys back together. For me, it's about having the confidence to roll either one of them against, you know, Shifley as he comes or whether it's going to be Lowry's line if they can get her at a fourth line shift every now and again. Well, and, and I mean, I just think back to last year. And I mean, I do think the Oilers are a better team right now. And we can talk about the fact that the goaltending is the same. I, mean, I think they have made, you know, some tweaks on the blue line. I mean, how much better they are. I mean, I guess that's up for debate. They're certainly deeper at forward. I mean, bringing in Zach Hyman, uh, the addition of Warren Fogle is interesting. Um, and I think that he, you know, adds something to that bottom six and he's playing on the second power play unit. But holy smokes, Murad, I mean, that team last year in the postseason was, I mean, as much of a one-line team as we've seen in a long, long time. And certainly the goal from Ken Holland's perspective was to take a little bit of the load off of those players or at least allow them 
to, you know, both be very effective playing with other players and not just, to your point, pulling the trigger and going back to Dreisaitl and McDavid and playing those guys half the game. Yeah, I, I would say that would be exactly the goal from Edmonton, Edmonton's point of view. They've had cap issues for a while. They've had a lot of expensive players outside of McDavid and Dreisaitl that has lim- limited their ability to add. Well, now they finally had a little bit of wiggle room. They did go out and add. I think losing Adam Larson kind of hamstrung them a little bit because you'd prefer him to either one of Cody Cece or Duncan Keith on that second pair, I think, uh, if you're looking for a defensive shutdown sort of uh, situation. But I agree with your point. It's inarguable to me the fact that the forwards are better. And we talk about this with respect to Winnipeg. When you play a top nine where you can spread things out a little bit, in Winnipeg's case, you tend to get results. Well, a lot of the research that says spreading it out is a good idea comes from studying the absolute elites, the Malkins and Crosbys, um, and in this case, the Dreisaitl's and McDavid's as well. I think either one of those players is good enough to carry his own line. Now you add all that secondary scoring as well. Julio Yarvey continues to impress. I, I didn't mention his name early, but... You know, there was a time they didn't think he would be the impact player he's become. There's a lot of things to like if you're Edmonton's forward group. So that, like, quickness and lack of patience on Tippett's part kind of stands out to me. And then I like what Maurice has been able to do in terms of changing how Winnipeg plays against them. Hey, just quickly in the chat, Ryan, you bozo, get your ears checked. I said that the Oilers this year are deeper at forward than they were last year. I wasn't comparing the Jets to the Oilers. Just needed to make that clarification. Um, hey, you know, I, I, we're obviously focusing in on this rematch tomorrow. And uh, I mean, all, all since the season started, I mean, I was excited to see when these teams would play again. And then uh, the fact that we got this home and home early in the season, I think was really juicy for fans. So we will get to that. They are then playing Vancouver. I know Leighton Janice saying Comrie will be good and he'll be ready to go on that. I'm sure he's already planning for that start. But uh, holy smokes, have things gone bad in Vancouver, Murat? I mean, that is, uh, it's been a terrible start. And I mean, you can feel the angst three provinces over right now from anybody that's talking anything to do with the Canucks right now. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't have the family tree of decisions that list, that leads Vancouver to kind of the place they're in now. But I, I would have no trouble pointing to some of the money that they're spending on, you know, aging and, and less effective blue liners as an issue. You might look, you know, and I think about Edmonton again when we say this, when, when teams like that end up with these extremely elite young players, then what happens in the first three years of that player's contract? So an Elias Pettersson type player um, or a Quinn Hughes, and you have these extremely cap efficient, in- incredibly cap-, cap efficient contracts. And I guess there's two different schools of thought. Wait till these guys, you know, hit their prime 23, 24, 25, whatever it's going to be, and then build that championship worthy team. Or exploit the the heck out of the fact that you've got these stars on cheap contracts. And I think that for me, whenever I look at Vancouver, and, and I'm no expert on the Vancouver Canucks, it always seems easy to find money that you're like, why are they spending that on this player right here and now? And you know what? I think Tyler Myers, for example, is an extremely popular Winnipeg Jet, did great things while he was here. But at the age and dollar figure that he signed in Vancouver, I don't think anybody in Winnipeg's in a hurry to get that player back. And he's only one of so many for Hey, uh, speaking of dollar figures and contracts, uh, our, our buddy, a regular Matt Lang, and I know Matt tweets you as all the time, uh, made a point that I was thinking about last night after the game. And I think it might have been a tweet at you, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, I'll paraphrase it for everyone else. It says, Chevy better get PLD signed ASAP. I mean, right now you look at what he's done to start the season, the way he's playing the two-way game. He's on pace, I believe, for 50 goals right now if he plays in all the games. Um, 
at what point does the organization start thinking seriously about that? Um, you know, I think a lot of the concerns maybe coming out of last season didn't take long for them to be put far, far away in the rear view. He's playing as a number one center right now, um, making five million. I mean, this is a guy that will definitely be in for a raise, Marat. Um, is that something you think that they even cross that bridge over the course of the next little while? Or is it something you play out at least until the second half of the season? Uh, because the Jets have had a history of getting, you know, players to stay here on longer term deals. Um, when you think about what they gave up to Pierre, for Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, and the way he's playing right now, hard to envision the Winnipeg Jets without him in this lineup going forward. Um, but man, the better he plays, the more difficult the job Larry Simmons is going to have getting that done. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that one of the underrated, you know, pieces of Winnipeg's trade that they made and. I always turn these into such long-winded answers, but like one of the things that I keyed in on with that trade was the difference in timing of that next contract. So Pierre-Luc Dubois for this season at five mil probably, you know, makes it worth the fact that Winnipeg paid a pretty steep price to get him, you know, in terms of assets um, and line A needing to get paid sooner, all of those sorts of things. It gives Winnipeg a better cap situation right now. Now, did I expect that he would just start like a house on fire and play this amazing all the way through? No, not necessarily. What he is giving Winnipeg is so much value for $5 million right now that you can start to, you know, we talk, I, I led with Winnipeg is good. And of course they are. We expected that. But I think that they're, they're good within striking distance of great this year so far, as long as they keep improving on certain elements. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a big part of that. To answer your actual question, when do you start that contract talk? To try to time it with... Past Jets greats, I mean, Winnipeg seems to sign its legacy guys early. Hellebuck in the summer, uh, Wheeler September prior to, to when he, his extension was necessary. That seems to be a trend. But then sometimes you get the midseason, such as Adam Lowry last year as well. I don't have a read based on that timing. So specifically in terms of Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think that it's going to be expensive no matter what. He started incredibly his, his numbers are are what they are. They're high and they're going to stay high. You know, you might argue that there will be slumps or he, he might tail off at the end. No matter what happens, his numbers are going to be great at the end of this year. And I don't know that he gets more expensive just because he changed this together all year long versus what we're seeing now because the process is so good. We can all see with our eyes this player is driving play. So, yeah, he's going to be expensive and whenever that contract gets signed. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All eyes on the rematch tomorrow in Edmonton. And uh, then the Jets head to Vancouver Friday night and then back at home against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Monday. I cannot have you on this program today without pivoting to the Canadian men's national team. Beating Mexico last night. What a scene. I know you were working at the game. I'm sure you guys had a TV sort of paying attention to it. Caught highlights afterwards. I mean, I've just been on cloud nine. I was already in a great mood leaving the hockey game last night to see the way that ended. I mean, the tension of those final five minutes was heart stopping. But Marat, I mean, uh, I don't want to say that we're going to Qatar, but we're pretty damn close to booking tickets to Qatar. <laughs> uh, what can I say? What could I, I? I don't even. It was the second intermission, I think, of the Jets game where. I spent most of that watching and I got to see Canada's first goal and you're watching them play in the snow, the pure chaos of that. Like the, the idea that you're trying to chain passes together in that, and they're keeping it on the ground largely. Like I know the second goal was in the air, which is probably what you're looking for when there's so much snow for them to celebrate in the most Canadian fashion you've ever seen by jumping into a snowbank. 
I mean, yeah, Mexico is probably a little bit out of its element uh, last night. So that probably goes into it. But this is the best Canadian team of my life, best men's Canadian team of my life. We've had better women's versions. Um, and it's just exciting. You said it best. I don't know how to say anything else other than to echo it. You know, we're not necessarily going to Qatar, but we're going to Qatar. And it's going to be very, very nice. <laughs> it has been, uh, <laughs> it's been awesome, man. I, uh, you know, these next few games, and the fact, I know there's a lot of consternation from a lot of the soccer hardos that like, oh, this game should be at BMO Field. How about the turnout? We're going to talk to Lieutenant Eric in Edmonton in just a couple minutes. I mean, the turnout and the way that Edmonton, who, by the way, historically has probably been the city that's actually supported Canada's team better than ever. We often had a ton of game in Toronto, but I mean, the unfortunate history of Canadians men's national team has been, yeah, you'd have a game against Honduras or Trinidad and Tobago and 70% of the damn crowd was cheering for the visitors. That is not the case anymore. And, you know, for them to say, you know what, we may as well get with the program in CONCACAF Mexico, come on down to Edmonton in November, creating, I mean, <laughs> such a magical scene. And I mean, the two wins, uh, it's impossible to overstate how huge that is. Four points out of two games against Mexico, the top team in CONCACAF. Um, these are heady times and uh, really unprecedented for our team, at least in our lifetime. Absolutely, it is. And, you know, whether it's going to be in Edmonton or anywhere, I have time for it's a little bit absurd to play in the snow. That's incredible. Like, it just changes the game so much, right? But, you know, playing it out east or what have you, you know what, there are things that happen in Canada west of uh, west of the center of the universe, and and I don't mind that at all. And, and great things happen, you know, west of the center of the universe. So if it's got to be a win over Mexico in those circumstances, we'll bring it on. And, and, I, and I'm glad that Edmonton showed up to the degree that they did. Oh, man, it was awesome. We're going to talk about it coming up next. Uh, you, my friend, be well. Uh, it's pretty ugly outside, so uh, stay home, stay warm. You got the two crocking and uh, looking good. I'm going to do my own athletic power poll. It can be a special for the athletic, and I'll do a power poll of the fashion sense of the Winnipeg media, and you, my friend, probably <laughs> are a strong, strong number one, albeit the rest of these jokers set the bar pretty low. Oh, yeah. You hear that, Bring Ken? It on. Oh. <laughs> Kenny, where are you at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just waiting for him to fire up in the chat. Have a great one, pal. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Huss. There he is. Uh, Marat Atesh at WPG Marat. And uh, you can read his bit. Uh, an interview with Cop and Lowry on uh, Lowry's emergence as number one in the NHL-style power poll by Sarah Sivian, uh, as well as uh, a lot on um, you know this back-to-back -back, or the home-and-home -home series uh, between the Winnipeg Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. Speaking of Edmonton, we're going to go there in just a second. Uh, my guy, Lieutenant Eric, was in the stadium last night talking about it all morning. He's going to join us. Uh, just before we do that, want to thank our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And the Princess Auto curling reports are going to be jacked up a few notches next week as I'm going to be in Saskatoon for the Olympic curling trials all week long. Be doing the show at the normal time, but cannot wait. Of course, we've got five Manitoba teams hoping to represent Canada at the Olympics, including the Princess Auto teams of the Jennifer Jones rink and Mike McEwen. Cannot wait for that. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete your projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto? Uh, making sure you have what you need to keep the work going. You can shop all the great deals 24 hours a day at princessauto.com 
or come and see them at each uh, one of two Winnipeg locations. And of course, a national company, but headquartered and family owned right here in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, the Boston Pizza scoreboard is a little lean tonight after an absolutely bananas evening yesterday. Three games, though, the Avalanche are in Vancouver to take on the struggling Canucks. The Blackhawks will take on the Seattle Kraken, both of those teams looking for their fifth win of the season. And the Capitals, after losing to the Ducks last night, still 9-2-5 and five on the season, take on the Kings, who have been red hot before losing to the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday night. Of course, Boston Pizza, there for you to get together with the gang, ice-cold schooners, great pizzas, Boston's Wings. Or if you're staying in, which I might suggest today with the weather outside, uh, just give your local Boston Pizza a call or hit them up online at bostonpizza.com. And I know there's a lot of DQ fans here. Of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group, great supporters of ours from day one on Winnipeg Sports Talk with four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, rejoicing is happening in St. Vital because the DQ St. Anne's is not closing for the winter now that Nick and Nikki are running it, and they're not only open for you, they'll deliver it to you. Can order Skip on Skip on DoorDash and more with the uh, great taste of uh, all the food, including that new steakhouse burger, Blizzard treats, and more. And if you do want to order a cake to be uh, the man at your next gathering, just hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And uh, you can order it. They'll have it ready for you as well. And uh, hey, speaking of which, Friday, don't forget another big time Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. We'll put together with our friends in the official whiskey, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club. We've got another WST Canadian Club uh, sweatshirt, a hoodie to give away. And we'll also have another I Love Rye package, including a uh, bottle of that great Canadian club. By the way, Rob Mahoney, if you're not there, hit me up. We got to get you your uh, I Love Rye package from last week's extravaganza on Friday. Uh, the Canadian Club Chronicles 44-year-old whiskey is available in very limited editions. There was less than 70 available in Manitoba. That's out right now. You can find out more at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and get ready to stay warm with a couple CCs at IG Field December 5th for the Bombers and the winner of the West semifinal. All right, really looking forward to bringing in our next guest. Of course, you're all very familiar with Dustin Nielsen, my partner from the lock shop. Dusty was on yesterday. Lieutenant Eric is, some would say the brains of the operation on the Nielsen show. I, you know, I'm sort of on the fence on it, but I will tell you that uh, it is great to have Eric on the program for the first time from Edmonton. We're just gonna get him lined up so he can hear me. And uh, as soon as that happens, we will be ready to go. Um, Eric, our girl Taylor Yule Miller, uh, part of that 45,000 plus yesterday at what they called Ice Teca, for my money, maybe the best hashtag we have ever, ever seen. Um, yeah, Jeff Kabilis just is uh, all fired up for <laughs> is all fired up for it. Oh, and hey, we got a super chat, Shorn Bose. Shorn, thank you very much, man. That is uh, that is amazing uh, to always appreciate. I don't know, Booz and I go way, way back. Appreciate that support, man. That is uh, really, really cool of you. Uh, yeah, so we're just going to try to get LTE on. I'm not sure. Apparently, he couldn't hear me before, so we'll get that set up. Uh, maybe we'll bring Remus back in here for a second as we uh, get ready to bring in LTE. Remo, I, I know you were in at the game last night. I didn't really get a chance to ask you. How did you work the TVs last night uh, between, of course, the hockey game, which everyone was into, come Winnipeg, and, of course, what we had on the uh, 
what we had on the uh, on the soccer side of things. Yeah, so I'm just trying to troubleshoot with LTE, and um, yeah, I was. He says he says it's good. Okay, I'll bring him in. Um, yeah, I was watching. I was focused on the Jets game, and then um, I was tuning into the soccer, you know, during intermissions and stuff. I did have the tablet going with it on as well, but um, yeah, I was the the Jets game very intense, but the the timing worked out really nicely, where the Jets game ended, and I turned it on just in time for that horse collar tackle, uh, which was <laughs> which was quite oh, yes. me- quite memorable. <laughs> All right, let's get Eric in here. Uh, he is, uh, some would say, the brains of the operation on the Nielsen Show. Of course, Dustin's partner on TSN 1260 in the mornings. Uh, and uh, it's great to have the one, the only, Lieutenant Eric on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Lieutenant underscore Eric or on Instagram at Lasagna Enthusiast. LTE, what's up? And welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk, man. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. You can hear me all good. It's all good. It is all good. That new iPad's rocking. You got the beautiful Edmonton Trapper shirt on. The uh, the hair's looking good. You're ready to go, man. Yeah, no, it's a new iPad. So maybe it's, um, you know, the kinks of, as you say, the brains of the operation. You know, you got new uh, machines and toys to play. But thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it. Well, uh, uh, you know what? Listen, uh, we've obviously done uh, lots of stuff together. Me jumping on your show and um, you know working with Dusty. Yeah. I uh, and I've been texting you over the last week. I mean, just so jealous. I mean, a great regret I will have is not getting out to Edmonton for these games. Yeah. You were at the first game. You were at the second game. And before we talk about everything, just tell us about the experience of being a part of what absolutely were two historic Canadian crowds to see two of the biggest wins in our nation's history. I I tried to put it into words this morning with Dustin and it was I, I couldn't really find them. It was pretty emotional. And to be honest with you, I was only going to go to Friday. And when I heard that you and Dusty might be going to the Tuesday, I said, sign me up. And then I was crushed to hear that you couldn't make it. So I, I was I was really missing you last night. Um, but it was something else, man. Like I, the whole thing, like there's been a lot of people that have followed the national team for way longer than I have. And they've gone through some pretty, pretty lean years. But the way that this team, the age they are and how they're kind of evolving and how the supporters, too, are evolving with the whole thing, it's very symbiotic. And you could kind of feel that over the past, you know, couple of days. It was like a great cup weekend, really. Last week was like a great cup week. We had it here in 2018, Calgary 2019. Kind of the same vibes, you know, kind of a festival atmosphere and the, the temperature's getting a little cooler. The Friday game was you know, a crisp night. It is a good night for like a football game, whether it's American or, or otherwise. Right. Um, and then you had this storm and that was, and again, not just you not going, but like I, uh, you kind of felt like you had to go to that one too. And being that it was Mexico, you know, we already had the three points. So this is kind of a bonus game, but each of these games, even going back to the Panama game in Toronto, they're all like storylines. And it's much like the women's team, like the screw job in London. And then we saw with the Olympics here. And I just feel that this is kind of the same thing. The Panama game with the Davies goal, memorable. <laughs> you get the, the David goal. He's leading the French League in scoring to kick off the two games. A win against Costa Rica, memorable. And then you get this Ice Teca game, beating Mexico. It's Mexico. They got CONCACAF. They all got CONCACAF. Six points through those two games. Storylines are being written, and I think people are falling in love with it the same way they fell in love with the women's team. 
Well, I, 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 you know, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, we do need to give some proper credit to the women's team because for a long time, uh, yeah. those women were doing all the heavy lifting. I mean, really putting, you know, soccer, um, you know, in the faces of average Canadians in a country that, frankly, I mean, you know, it didn't have a pro league for a long time. You know, it hasn't been anywhere close to where Canadian football, National Hockey League, even baseball has been but as we've seen changing, I mean, we're kind of catching up to the rest of the world. And the biggest part of that has been some of the athletes. But the women did it first and really, I think, got people into soccer. And I mean, the conversations that I've had over the past kind of eight years or so with people that know about it is like, OK, when the hell are the men going to get into the uh, into the party? Well, that time is right now. And of course, Alfonso Davies is leading the way. Now, I know you're not a native Edmontonian, but you've been there for a long time. Um, I mean, I got choked up seeing Fonzie running around with that Canadian flag in the crowd afterwards. I mean, can you, I mean, from the people that you're talking to, both friends, listeners on the program, can you put into words how special it is for Edmonton to have this young man, an international superstar, come back and be a part of what we have saw at Commonwealth over the course of this week? It's It's this comparison that, it's a classic like Alberta thing that a guy from Ontario like Connor McDavid comes out here and is way more popular than a guy that's actually from here who will go on to be more popular kind of around the world. Isn't that kind of a thing? And, it, and it's, it's no slight to anybody and it's no knock. It's just funny how these things happen. But I don't think he'll ever be as appreciated as here as he is, you know, even in places such as Munich right now and what he's doing with Bayern. Um, and, you know, I even use the word um, like kind of, not overhyped, but we look at him and he is such a star, but he plays multiple positions. He can play anywhere up that left side. So he can play you know, in more of attacking role for Canada. He's defensive for Bayern, but a wing back. So he can do a multiple, you know, multiple things and, and kind of a Swiss Army knife on the left-hand side. And, and it's, it's special having him here because, you know, it's such a soccer-starved part of the country, right? You have the coasts and what they do with TFC, the Whitecaps, and demographics play a huge part in that as well. But you did see a different crowd here at Commonwealth than what you would see at maybe some other sporting events, a very mixed crowd, especially with that Mexican game, obviously with a lot more Mexican fans and Costa Rican fans. But getting back to Davies, just him being here and again, in the middle of the prairies, um, you know, FC Edmonton has, has come around. There used to be a soccer history here with the drillers as well that I wasn't too familiar with, obviously for not being here. Um, but it does give a bit of that spritz to the whole scene a bit of that boost. I did see some St. Nicholas garb in the crowd last night. Of course, <laughs> the school that uh, Fonzie attended here. And, and it just gives everybody that chance to puff it up a bit. And, and that's what you need. And I go back to the storyline stuff. You know, his story, one coming from like a refugee camp here and everything. I mean, that, and now playing with Bayern. I mean, are you kidding me? One of the most successful, richest clubs in the world. So it's just really a, a great story. And Edmonton's right smack dab in the middle of this whole evolutionary process there so it's really something you feel connected in a way that he's the city's son all of these guys are the nation's son and they all represent different bits and pieces of it and, and not just Fonzie as I said kind of the the overhyped aspect Jonathan David's leading the French League in goals this season just quietly you know Tejon Buchanan made a big transfer to Club Bruges in Belgium their Champions League and he's a young star in the making he, he can 
You've already seen a bit of his moves uh, on, on that. Beard I, I love Buchanan. That bike oh. kick that went off the crossbar on Friday night. I mean, if that went in, I didn't think we could have anything, even the realm of as spectacular as the goal that Davies scored against Panama. That would have been damn close if that one went in. And just think about it, too. Like, I love that we played here for a certain, um, shall we say, advantage, I guess, over these other teams. But if you could see this team on a good pitch, you know, a good car on a good track type of uh, scenario. I mean, we would be treated to much more of an event over these past two matches. I mean, it was just pretty much a backyard ball type of thing where you saw last night the shot, Laren pounces on this big, long rebound, and it says bing, bang, boom, like a pinball machine. I think this team has a lot more to give, and you can see it like on a BMO pitch and stuff as well. So I think what we saw here is great and all, and this is kind of a hockey, obviously, Oilers city. I mean, people view it through that lens. We had a guy yelling about not to pass it back so much and which way you're going and all that, and... I told him, wait for the power play, Huss. Was shoot guy there? Was shoot guy? Did they just go, shoot, shoot it? Was that there? So I think, but this team has a lot more to give. And I think you'll see it as they advance, if indeed they do advance on better surfaces and in better areas. But that's not to say that this was not a home field advantage for them, because I surely think it was. Well, it absolutely was. And I mean, let's go back to yesterday, because I mean, I was tuning in as I often do on the app, listen to what you guys have cooking, especially considering it was a great week with the Jets and the Oilers going, you know, head to head in in two games. Yeah. And I mean, I had to laugh all week long. I'd been sort of checking to see what the weather was going to be like. And I turn it on and you guys saying it's a snowfall warning. And if you're normally your drive normally takes 45 minutes, give yourself an extra hour. I talked to Dustin earlier today and he's like, dude, I'm looking out the window right now. And it he he compared it to the planet Hoth from Star Wars. Um, I mean, just a perfect scenario, a perfect scenario to welcome the Mexicans to Edmonton. But uh, you were there like, how cold was it? And I mean, what was the I mean, we saw it on TV. We saw the snowbanks that uh, you know Sam was jumping into. Um, but I mean, just paint us a picture of just what it was like to both be there and the actual conditions that the uh, that we welcomed the Mexican National League team to north of the border. It was wild. And, and there were so many like it's so CONCACAF, all of this stuff. It's like pro wrestling. Like, you know, you're going to play 40 degree heat at one in the afternoon on some Jamaican farmer's field. And then everybody's like, well, you don't have real grass up here. Well, it goes both ways. What's real grass, but it's a bunch of mud anyways. So, I mean, last night was one of those, it's like that heritage classic event. You had to be there, blah, blah, blah. Friday though, was crisp. And everyone was like, wow, it's going to be cold. Boy, it's going to be cold in Edmonton. And they're all saying Friday was cold. And I was like, well, you know, we've been, and you guys, again, Winnipeg, we've all been more hardier gray cups and such. So I was like, well, this isn't bad. Friday was great. I mean, you're just kind of bombing around. We then get word that this snowstorm or whatever is going to blow in and everything. And then you get some reports, and I don't know if you saw this, but apparently the Mexican national team, like, requested to use the soccer dome uh, because Canada kind of knew ahead of time this thing was happening. Obviously booked some time to practice ahead. Mexico left a little late, and I guess the people running it said, no dice, we got some youth leagues booked. Yeah, there was so, a nine-year-old Timbit team. Girls going on. And I love it. It's so CONCACAF. But Absolutely. That happens weather, everywhere else, and it's been happening to us for 20-plus years. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but, go, but going back to the weather quickly, like, again, we wake up, we do the show. Weather is complete crap all morning long. We know they have the field tarped and everything, but everybody's kind of dishing out all these reports of, oh, look at this, all this snow. That's what the field is going to be like. Well, it's not going to be covered in snow. Come on. The snow was supposed to end later in the day, which it did. The wind was still a little wild. I had walked us. I walked from West Edmonton to Commonwealth 
I met Maddie Iwanek from the Dave oh. Jameson Show downtown Edmonton. Now I had a westernly wind at my back the entire way. I must I was making great time. Great afternoon though. But you bundle up. I was wearing two pairs of pants, a winter jacket on, lots of like, you know, upper layers and such. No gloves, because who needs those? And a toque. And then you put the scarf on and away you go. So I mean, the only problem is is once you get to the game, everybody's standing around. What you do, they had the music going, so you're moving around, getting the blood flowing. Once they go to kickoff, everybody will take their seat. Well, you know, and then they're all complaining about the cold. We had to go because we were sitting in the supporters Voyager section for the entire game Friday. A blast. But we were had these seats in kind of the regular zone. And some people were standing. Lots of Mexican fans were as well. But we had to move into the supporters section at halftime because in order to kind of stay warm, you got to kind of. You got to keep moving. It's like an hour and a half concert. It's like being in a mosh pit. And by the end, I kid you not, we had a chant going in the Voyager section of it's too hot. It's too hot. It's too hot. (laughs) How many Mexican fans were there and how are they handling things? You know what? And it's funny, the, 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 the difference Friday night, we're standing in line and not a lot of Costa Rican fans. I saw a Costa Rican TV reporter. She was doing a hit and I was kind of being a bad boy in the background, nothing vulgar, nothing like that. Just kind of, you know, doing the thing, taking the piss, if you will. And then so, but we were in line and some nice Costa Rican fans were there. They were FaceTiming with relatives back home and we were, you know, arm in arm. It was, it was friendly. We're rolling up to the game last night and I, I saw some Mexican fans. And again, I'm not like throwing up barbs. I'm just keeping it pretty light and fancy free as a Canadian does. And uh, didn't, get, didn't get a lot of good looks. And, and I kept my mouth shut moving forward. And uh, but there were pockets, and there was they showed up good. The unfortunate, well, the fortunate thing was for us is we got that two goal lead, and they just never had an opportunity to do anything or cheer. Um, but there were a few chances where they had pressure on, and you could sense them because they know when they're an educated fan base. No offense to Canadians, but a little more so, so they know when there's a good chance, and so you could feel them kind of ready to pop, but they never did quite get to popping until that stoppage time. How uh, how tense were those final five, seven minutes? Borian, I told Dusty we should bronze those sweatpants <laughs> and put them in some, uh, you know, Canadian sport. That was, in, like, 2-0, you're in dreamland, and you're like, well, you know, if we've done this, we can't let it slip. They get a little stoppage time, and again, that pitch, everything involved, you never know what's going to happen. You can't, you can't. So it's kind of randomness, and and I don't know who the Mexican player was, but I'm sure if he had, like, He's never missing that a hundred other times. I think he bounced off his chest or he tried to redirect it in. I mean, you throw your body at it and it's too tense, but I, I think I've watched the game like three times now and that whole Borean highlight reel sequence near the end was just, I mean, that deserves a whole credit in its own right to the two layering goals. That was a big night for goaltending. Borean in Edmonton, Connor Hellebuck in Winnipeg. You know, I thought I'd just kind of throw that in. Uh, uh, hey, just before we go, and uh, we were talking about soccer, um, you know, I, I do. I mean, obviously that was the big story today, but um, you guys did talk a little bit about the game, somewhat disappointing. What the, What's the word about what uh, you guys expect from the Oilers in the uh, rematch of these two teams after last night? I, I totally recused myself from any and all Oilers talk this morning. I didn't watch any and all of the game. I'll tell you this, though. The road trip was not met with glowing reviews this morning. Terms like subpar, um, you know, kind of deflated, things like that nature. It's not really what people, I think, expected returning from what the start they had. But it's the same old problems arising again. Miko Koskinen's name. It's either the first, the second, or the third shot. Sometimes the fourth, maybe the fifth. 
six territory. Yeah, but that's, you know, so same old stuff again. Mike Smith is still somewhere. You don't, you know, hurt. Who knows? But again, an old goalie, Miko Koskinen's problems. CC Keith are analytically getting, you know, kind of sliced a bit here. Five on five. It's, it was a good start. We'll see where it goes. The Jets are still a bit of a kryptonite, a bit of a bogey team to the Oilers team, uh, whether it's playoffs, kind of regular season thing. It's a great rivalry. So well, I, it is. And it's really, it's really turning into that. And, uh, you know, I had to laugh because um, I was listening, uh, I heard Low Tide afterwards kind of get into it today. And he just straight out, and this is very unlike him because the Jets are going to win this game tomorrow night. I mean, he could not have been more emphatic about it. Now, I don't know whether he was going for the old reverse curse, yeah, yeah. but there was something that, that probably is what it That's is. That's all low tide. Yeah. But you know what? You think about this road trip. I mean, you know, they beat Boston. Um, they had another good win, and then you lose to Detroit. You lose to Buffalo. Um, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't put obviously put the Jets in the category of those teams, but me it was going to be interesting to see what we saw from the oilers right out of the gate and you know the jets were clearly the better team in the first couple periods and they got those power play goals and then had a chance to come back but i'm going to be very interesting to see this game tomorrow night as well as how dave tippett handles his matchups with the last change uh but you are right there is uh you know when it starts with something like happened with the playoffs yes uh yeah and uh, i mean we did i did convince dusty for a few minutes on the lock shop yesterday that the, the Jets were doing a free commemorative mini broom giveaway at last night's game to commemorate the sweep of the Oilers last year. But um, we're just going to make those ourselves. That's going to be the uh, the stocking stuff for, for Jets fans uh, in it. But um, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, those, those jerseys are hot. Oh, that's a that's a kit. That's a kit, my friend. Absolutely. Um, we say it. They're wearing them 14 times this year. I wouldn't be surprised that that ends up being the go to jersey. Okay down the road as you know how it all works but uh i'll tell you what this has been great to have you on the program as i said it killed me not to be there yesterday and to see those scenes um and again folks if you want to just relive a little bit go on twitter at lieutenant underscore eric there's some great videos of what it was like in the stands last night at commonwealth stadium and i have to tell you i had steven sandor on the program yesterday he was a good friend of mine yeah. back when uh, you know <laughs> two decades ago working uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. And when I was there, um, I was kind of told that Edmonton had always been a pretty good soccer town. And this was at a time where Canada was, wasn't getting any fans anywhere. You know, you put Canada against whoever and you would think it was a road game. And there was a f international friendly between Canada and Trinidad and Tobago. And that was at time Dwight York was a big star over in Europe and he yep. was playing there and we went to the game and, Man, my recollection, there was probably a good 30,000 people at the game. And, you know, it really stood out to me that I wasn't sure whether they would get that sort of crowd for that sort of game anywhere else. And I got to tell you, um, you know, as much as we're having fun with Winnipeg and Edmonton on the hockey rink this week, um, huge hat tip. Everyone in Canada should be applauding what you and the people of Edmonton and, of course, the supporters that came from all yeah. around the country for these games yeah. because it really was special. And I honestly think that we will look back at this last month as a a turning point for the prominence of our Canadian men's national team. And I'll tell you what, once that ticket hopefully gets booked to Qatar, um, the, the interest in the World Cup in this country is going to be far different than anything we've seen before. I mean, even in 86, they were a sacrificial lamb when yeah, they got no. there. I don't think they scored a goal. That's a totally different story right now. And, and here's just, we'll finish off with this. I think Big Guy just threw this into the chat. Got to go a little bit back for it. So Grant Wall, who's a longtime soccer reporter in the United States, this is from CBS, 
And thanks again for a uh, big guy for posting this up. Every four years, I look closely around the globe for the best story of a national team to qualify. Usually it's a far flung place. This time it's Canada. And uh, there's a lot more people that are just inside our borders that are paying attention to Alfonso Davies and this team. And uh, they, what they keep on playing the way that they are. It won't just be a team that's happy to be there when they get to the world cup. They'll be looking to do some things that no Canadian team on the men's side has ever done before. They're leading CONCACAF right now. And think about it this way. It's not just Qatar at this age they're at. It's that next one here. If you put some grass down at Commonwealth, I mean, giddy up, right? <laughs> FIFA, FIFA was there. They had the eyes on it. This was a testing site. So it's not just Qatar, but, but it's car and bond right now. It's the great window to be in. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Eric, my friend, thanks for doing this. Keep up the great work with Dusty in the morning. Keep on carrying him around like an anvil on your back. I love you, Huss, and tell Remus I say hi, and I miss him. <laughs> For sure. Go digest that burrito, and uh, shout out oh, to the oh. window guy, your diva window guy that was giving you an issue earlier today. Thanks for doing this, man. You're the best. There yeah. he is. Eric, uh, at Lieutenant underscore Eric on Twitter. And uh, yes, his Instagram is, in fact, at lasagna enthusiast what a handle uh all right we're gonna get to the cool bet lines of the day um still a lot of folks in here if you haven't already do us a favor hit that thumbs up and you may have missed our announcement earlier today tomorrow we've got to do the show early so now is a great time to remind you a to be subscribed to the channel on youtube and make sure that you've turned on notifications because tomorrow we're going to be doing the show at 11 a.m., not our usual time of one o'clock. We do have to be out. If you're listening on the podcast, nothing's going to change when you normally get. You might just get it a little bit earlier into your inbox. Um, but as far as for the YouTube folks, I mean, the show will be there at one o'clock. It just won't be live. So, I mean, the chat has been popping. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to have a lot to say about the game tomorrow. Uh, we'll head back to Edmonton. We'll have much more on the Winnipeg Jets and Edmonton Oilers. So for everyone that wants to be with us live, throw the notifications on 11 a.m. It's starting tomorrow. We'll go until 1 o'clock and then back to our regular time. Uh, but the notifications being on is great because we have, since we started, had a few impromptu shows on weekends and holidays that we didn't really plan to do it. Um, and anyone that had no notifications knew we were on and got right in. So uh, there's your PSA for tomorrow's show, starting a little bit earlier than normal on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's get Remus back in here. We'll take a look at some of the uh, odds and the lines for uh, tonight in the National Hockey League and more. Um, man, it's been a lot of fun. Some great conversation with bombing right off the bat. Always everyone loves Murata Tesh, and he was great today. And then, uh, I mean, I just, I'm still excited about that game last night. I cannot wait to see what happens going through this rest of it. But man, I mean, seeing guys like Eric and our girl Taylor, they were out there yesterday, really part of something special that I think everyone, especially those that were there, Remo, are going to remember probably for the rest of their lives. It's pretty cool seeing what's going on with this soccer Canada. And, you know, we had the guy in here yesterday saying, no one, no one cares about soccer. What are you guys talking about soccer? Well, apparently it's people, the worst take. The yeah, worst take. Apparently people do care about soccer. You know how many people watched last night on Sportsnet of all channels? Not a cable channel like CBC that everyone gets. Um, Canada, Mexico, according to a guy, Adam Seaborn, one 0.153 million Whoa. people on Sportsnet watch that. So uh, a lot of people. It's a, it's a wave, a folks. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of room. There's lots of room. Yeah. I mean, you may not have been uh, with them through the early stages of qualifying, 
But this is like, you know, a smack in the head. Hey, wake up and get with it. Get on board with Team Canada uh, because this is a special group of athletes. They're going to be doing something that we have not seen in most of our lifetimes. And even if you're around in 86 and can remember Canada making it to the World Cup, as I mentioned with Eric, totally different scenario. I mean, they won't be there just to just to be there. I mean, this team's leading CONCACAF right now. It's not out of the realm of possibility at all for Canada to finish at the top of the table. And just in case you're wondering how it works, the top three teams in CONCACAF qualify for the World Cup. There's eight teams. I think they call it an octagonal. You play each team at home and each team on the road. Um, yesterday was the second game with Mexico. Canada got a tie with Mexico at Stadio Azteca and then got the three points at the Azteca in Edmonton. They still have six more games to go. Um, and at that point, they'll you know count them all up as long as Canada stays in the top three, which they certainly right now are likely to do. They'll book their ticket to the World Cup. Worst case scenario, a fourth place finish puts them into a secondary opportunity against some of the teams that just missed out in other areas of the world. Um, but right now, that would almost be a disappointment to be in that spot right now because what Canada has done so far. So tell you what, we're going to wait to it. I think the USA game coming to Canada is in January. And I don't think they'd have the stones to put a game outside in Edmonton in January right now. I believe, I think the plan is for BC Place. Uh, but anyways... Uh, it is a changing time for soccer in Canada, at least on the men's side. A very exciting, and uh, we're certainly, I mean, you can just tell how excited people are in the chat and just talking to friends about it that maybe were never big soccer fans before, but now they know Alfonso Davies and Kyle Lahren and Jonathan David and Tejon Buchanan. Uh, and, of course, you got to feel so good for Tiba Hutchinson, who's the all-time Caps leader for Canada's national team. He's been through some real lean years and now getting into um, well, about as exciting a time as we've ever had on the men's side here for um, for Canada. Um, let's uh, get to the lines tonight, Remo. Uh, only three games tonight in the National Hockey League. Colorado, no surprise, big favorite against the struggling Vancouver Canucks. Uh, by the way, the insiders reporting last night uh, some big meetings between Francisco Aquilini and GM Jim Benning, and it ended up with... Canucks will be patient. I'm sure that'll go what? over well tonight if they get pumped by the Colorado Avalanche, who are minus 172 favorites. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know how um, Jim Benning has a job still. I mean, it's pretty clear. He's sitting there. Who who did this, guys? Who's responsible for putting this <laughs> roster together? Who who gave Tucker Pullman a four-year deal and didn't leave cap room for Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson? Who was the one who's... Uh, signing Antoine Roussel to multi-year deals, and who was Jay Beagle multi-year deal Beagle. that he had to trade that was away three mil a year. Who's who's trading away our first round round picks and not able to draft? Who who's the one who drafted Vertanen over Let's Nikolai? Let's not forget Ehlers? about Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson's another one of JB's greatest hits. Oh God, yeah, I don't know, I don't know uh, how you've looked at his track record and, and think that the team's going in any direction they're so confused if they're trying to they're they're making these moves that a win now team should make when they're barely in the playoffs they locked into the playoffs a couple um you know in the what was the pandemic bubble. season the bubble season and i was kind of being like all right maybe they got something but leading up to like the jt miller move i was like why are they trading away a first round pick for j for jt miller so i don't yeah and chris remit says didn't even mention the tyler myers contract um it's just it hasn't been a good go 
for no, uh, I tell you one guy I think that's happy he's out of there is Nate Schmidt, who's doing a great job on the Jet Blue Line. Two oh, other games tonight. Blackhawks and Kraken. Uh, Kraken minus 154 favorite at home. Blackhawks plus 130. And uh, the Capitals minus 112 at the Kings minus 104. One thing I did want to notice, and maybe somebody in the chat can explain this to me. Can you tell me why the Edmonton Oilers are 9-1 to one to win the Cup right now? Leafs are 10 to 1 to win the cup right now. Vegas, who's struggled early, 12 to 1. The Minnesota Wild are 14 to 1 to win the win the, win the uh, Stanley Cup. And you got to go all the way down to 34 to 1 for the Winnipeg Jets. Um like are people are people not paying attention? Like I'm not saying that the team's going to win the cup, but I mean I would absolutely put the Winnipeg Jets chances right there with Calgary, Washington, and certainly Minnesota in their same division, the division that the Winnipeg Jets are leading right now. Yeah, I mean, they're in the lead, they're leading the division. So you'd think that they would have pretty good chances to win the cup, but I don't know if the odds or makers are slow and they're not updating it here. Um, so I I do in terms of value, I definitely think that is some value. And Colorado is still leading on cool bet, even though they're off to a slow start. Nathan McKinnon. Um, he's injured. He's not not playing. So yeah, I get having Colorado there. I mean, we are 15 games into the season. I just, but this goes back to our conversation when I know Remus, a bunch of us and our listeners got in at 50 to one. I mean, they were below Vancouver and Philly and a bunch of teams that it just didn't make sense. I mean, if you've got the defense that the Jets have put together, you're starting off with Connor Hellebuck and some big time skill up front. Didn't make sense to have the Jets really in another tier from so many of those teams. So I just thought I'd throw that out to you folks. If you do want a, a little sprinkle, uh, get it now because I don't think 34 to one is going to be on the table very long for the Winnipeg Jets. If they keep on doing what they're doing right now, of course, if you go to cool bet, if you've never played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Uh, tomorrow we'll have a Thursday nighter. Patriots and Falcons. New England is a six and a half point favorite in that game. Uh, and of course, the other thing that I'm quite geeked about is the Tim Hortons Olympic curling trials. There's tons of great odds there. If you're a curling fan, want to get ready, including this is a beautiful one. The province to win the women's trials. Manitoba is at minus 200. That opened at about minus 179, where essentially you're getting flurry, Einerson and Jennifer Jones all as part of the same bet. Uh, you can go men's top three. The Manitobans in there. Mike McEwen's three to one or plus 305. And the long shot is Gunner. Jason Gunlickson at 11 to one. Brad Gushu right now, the favorite at plus 131 to be the men's outright winner. Uh, Gunner 29 to one. And Mike McEwen, I mean, this, he was the lot like that close four years ago, 14 to one. Um, anyways, all that there, and I'll be doing a bunch of content both for Winnipeg Sports Talk and Cool Bet all week long next year or next week from Saskatoon at the Olympic Curling Trials. If I'm able to get there early enough, I might be able to get to Saskatoon in time for the Hardy Cup and see the Bisons try and win Can West. That is on Saturday afternoon. We'll touch on that on Friday's show. Friday, we'll also do a big marble race with Canadian Club. Make sure you're around for that and also get ready for Jets and Canucks. But tomorrow, again, at a special time, live on YouTube, 11 a.m., not our usual 1 o'clock. We're going to be on at 11. Turn your notifications on. Join us then if you want to be with us live. If not, the full show will be there for you at 1 p.m. 
live on YouTube and we'll get it in the podcast feeds as we normally do. It's going to be great. But uh, I'll tell you what, it'll be tough to me as fired up as I was today. Uh, waking up with the Jets in first, the Bombers just waiting for their opponent in the West final after a first place season, Canada on top of the table, the ice doing it. And uh, just for you, Ryan Friesen, Chiefs are back also in first place. So uh, things are good right now. Folks, have a great night. It's ugly outside. Stay cool on the roads. Stay warm, and we will see you tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors, including Cool Bet, Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports over at 750 Pemina Highway, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, stay hydrated, folks, and our newest sponsor with seven locations in Winnipeg, Vita Health fresh market you can find out more from them at myvita.ca for michael remus i'm andrew patterson have a great night we'll see you tomorrow live on youtube at 11 a.m join us then here on wst oh my god oh! shut it down let's go thanks for tuning in to winnipeg sports talk daily Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.